Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. And welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. Today is Wednesday, August 31st, and you are listening to episode number 562. I will be your host again this week. I am Joey Virgino, and joining me for this week are Mr. Bob Ryer. A belated happy birthday shout out to the King of Comics, Jack Kirby. There you go. Aaron Amos has joined us. Yes, yes, he has. <laughs> and we have a special guest this week, friend of the pod, comics creator extraordinaire, behind many of our favorites, Making Friends, Hench Girl, Minecraft, With or Without Her, one of the best titles of all time. <laughs> uh, Kristen Gunsnuck is back with us after a long time apart. Hey, thank you for Sounds having me back. No, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. We're so happy, happy to have you here. Um as you can tell, again, I am Joey, not Steve. Steve uh, is still out sick. Um, hopefully he recovers quickly and we'll be back next week. Uh, but we're so excited to have Kristen here. She's going to hang out with us for the first half of the show. Uh, we're going to chat with her a little bit about some of the things she's got coming down the, the comics pike, as it were. And then uh, Bob's got a special trivia round for us. We haven't done trivia in a while, so we're all ready to show our smarts. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Bob said right before we came on, you have a shot at trivia. Singular. To which Aaron said, singular, singular. shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we'll see how that goes. And then we'll do the lightning rounds and all that comics talk to, to close out the show today as well. We're changing it up. Um, but Bob, I know you wanted to, to chat with Kristen a little bit here at the top, so I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, Chris, I know you just came back from the Emerald City. So what was, what was that like, return to the convention <laughs> stage, so to speak? Oh, um, it was so great. And if anyone there bought anything from me using cash, I just want you to know I lost all of my money. No. <laughs> it's okay. It's somewhere in my sister's house, probably. But <laughs> it's been interesting. I also lost my – the airline lost my banner. And I got, I got very sick from the airplane. But I honestly had a really good time at Emerald City. So I like to start off with all the worst things that happened and then be like, oh, these cute children ran up to me and were excited about my books. I actually met tons of kids who've read my books, which is like really cool. Like, it's still like a new feeling. I mean, it's been a few years that my books have been out and like from, you know, bigger publishers, but it's still like really cool to meet kids who've read it and who are really excited about it. But yes, I lost all my money. <laughs> but that's just the cash, though. And everyone is afraid of cash now because of COVID. So most of my transactions were card. Okay. Now, but. where's your banner, though? That was a lovely banner. Uh, somewhere at the airport, I think. They said that it went to Albuquerque. 
It made a left turn at Albuquerque. Like Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Alba- Albuquerque's not that big. And if it's a giant poster, it says Kristen Gunn. Yeah, it like, says my name. It's very easy to like identify <laughs> whose who's bag it is. Um, yeah, I'm not too concerned. And also, honestly, I wanted a new banner anyways. Oh. But, but not like this. <laughs> okay. But now if they lost it and it's a business expense, could you claim it on your taxes? Yeah. Oh, of course. See? They'll probably find it, though. I mean, it just takes a while, right? Yeah, I'm not I too c- concerned. Eh. I eh. Always, when when bad things happen, I'm like, oh, good. I got that out of the way. That's not too bad. It's because I'm oh, very that's super a very that's great. Look at it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embracing that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's one way to use optimism and pessimism simultaneously. Like a, <laughs> like a mixed drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, look, as a glass half empty kind of guy, now that I can fill it up and, and now it's a drink, I can now fill it up with something adult and that, that helps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just <Hey>. saying. <laughs> now, in the midst of all this, you have some projects coming up. Which ones can we talk about and how far along are those? Just saying. I've been, um, I've been working on a couple of different things. Um, I think since last time I was on here, my third Minecraft book came out which was like the ending of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Also and now a box set because Barnes and Noble keeps hyping it to me that I need to buy the box set. <gasps> oh, great. Oh my God. I didn't realize that was out. Yeah. Oh, I made some posters for the box set. Nice. Cool. Yeah. They're really cool. Um, there's that. Um, I'm working on making friends for, and it's going to yes. be out next year and it's going to be the dramatic conclusion no, no, not conclusion. Yes, it's gonna like be such a conclusion. Oh, I, I like really every single volume of that I was writing. I kept being like, okay, how am I gonna end the story? And it just kept not ending. And then I don't know. With this last one, it just like sort of came into like a, a conclusion that I was actually very happy with. So I was like, okay, I'm not messing with this. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh wow. goodbye. Oh, I'm heart sick already. Yeah, but think about how long I've been working on these books. Okay, so I could be sick for you too. Okay, I get it. <laughs> okay. It's been like five years or something. I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, and also, I um, am working on, or I worked on a book with Emily Hampshire of Schitt's Creek. Actually, it's her birthday today. And <laughs> Happy birthday, Emily. I know. Uh, I she's really really cool. I don't know if you watched Shit's Creek, but she played Stevie, and yep. she's really really honestly like everyone knows that she's funny and she's like a famous actress. But I was like, she's like a real artist because she was like, first of all, she was giving me. I was like, oh, how do you think I should draw her saying this part? And she would like read the dialogue and like act it out for me and give me ideas mm, on like. What? facial expressions and sort of like tones and stuff. And I was like, this is right up your alley. (laughs) I know. I was like, I was like, that's exactly like what I like doing. It's like fun facial expressions or thinking about acting in the drawings, you know, like how do you express this feeling? How do you express it? Like in a way that's like not the first way you would think of it or like what would be Hmm. an interesting way of doing that, you know? And she was like on the same wavelength and she was also on the wavelength of like, What's the way that we can make this the funniest? And she was like, not only did she come up with the whole concept for the book, she also like, she like punched up some of 
like the dialogue. She like rewrote things in markup <laughs> on her like iPhone. And I was like, I don't know. I was just like, I deeply respect this, her work ethic. And also like, she's like really, really like, I kind of was like, I don't know, you know, some, not to be cynical, but you might think that a celebrity tie in comic, the celebrity might just be there for the quick cash grab and not like actually care in her situation. I think, cause it's kind of like the movie La La Land where she's like uh, writing a role for herself kind of oh yeah so she like actually cares and she's like let's make sure she's like let's make sure we get it right and all this and so she was really hands-on and it was super duper cool like honestly like a dream collaborative experience she's what was the book again it's called oh my god i'm sorry who's <laughs> <laughs> gonna do that too joey i just, want, I just yeah. want to make sure that the title gets yeah. out there it's called amelia airwood basic witch and it's about a girl whose mom was is like the biggest most famous witch in uh in the country or whatever and she like sells her own wands on like home shopping coven um, <laughs> as you can tell, I, brought, I had some fun with like background gags too. I didn't write it; I did the art for thirty pages, um, and also like character designs. And so she, her mom, is like this like famous witch, and she's like really bad at magic. And every time she tries to do a spell, it just like blows up in her face. Um, and her parents, her family is having their own reality show, and it's about her. Um, getting like written out of her family's reality show because her family's too embarrassed of her, and it's just like really funny and fun. And um, I don't know, I I am very excited for when it comes out, which is um, I have no clue. Soon, soon. Now I saw soon. a long interview with Emily where she was describing this as the Kardashians as witches. Yeah, so that's like the reality show part because yeah. her family really wants everything to look perfect and to seem like they have everything perfect. And so kind of like the crux of her character is like, she's like, I'm not perfect and I can't be perfect. And if I try, it's like, it doesn't, it's not who I am. And I, it's a kind of like about accepting your imperfections and like loving them. She's like really sweet. That's lovely. She also was very, very happy with your artwork, which she described in a word I've never heard apply to it, but actually fits very well. Scrappy. I know. She actually said <laughs> to me, too. And she was like, she was like, your art's really scrappy. And I was like, oh, thank you. And she was like, no offense. I was like, I'm not offended. I no, it's I love that. I feel it. Because she means, like, I guess, like, instead of, well, it's hard to explain. I think that it's just a quality that my art has. It's like, yes. it's like, it's like crappy with an S in front. No, 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 no. I'm oh. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I, I, she means that my stuff is like full of, I don't know, it, jokes. And like, energy and energy. full of stuff going on and chicken fat and all the rest. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> full of scrap. Full of scrap. Exactly. I don't know. I can't do streamlined stuff. I'm, in, I'm like incapable of like streamlining and making things minimalist. I mean, don't. I guess I could, but I can't. Don't ever, that. don't ever do that. <laughs> Only if I'm really far behind. Yeah. I mean, it's our favorite thing about yeah. it. <laughs> speaking, speaking of far behind, how are you, what are your deadlines at this point? There's so many things going at once. Well, okay. I'll be completely honest. Um, actually, no, I won't. Sorry. I was about to say okay. something. No, wait, I will. I was 
originally not um I I was hired onto the book with Emily a little bit uh, later in the game. I was only hired to do a pinup first. And so it, so, <laughs> so working on that sort of uh it was an interesting uh challenge in scheduling from um, pin up to whole thing yeah I, that's that's a change i would imagine that's a big jump in uh workload the there is, i kept getting really excited and like the yes ending and mm-hmm. which is great for art but maybe not for deadlines but so i am definitely behind on my making friends deadline but uh i think i i'm like so close to like i'm like i'm I'm on it. I'm in a good place with it. And honestly, I have some life hacks for my fellow comic book artists <gasps> out there who are looking <laughs> to up their Clip Studio paint game because I have sunk into the depths of Clip Studio paint and I have emerged uh, much more powerful. Um, like Leveled up. Yes, exactly. First of all, vector lines for drawing. They're great. Just... Click on that and see what happens because it's fantastic. You can edit your line after you draw it, basically. But also, it doesn't look like an illustrator vector line. It looks like a brush stroke line. And second of all, you can uh, use their fill tool very easily to flat your own comics. And you can adjust area scaling, which will change how much extra it fills in into the black line art underneath. So that basically you can get like a seamless flatting job with just a few clicks with Clip Studio. So mm. you're welcome, people. If, you, yeah. if, if anyone <laughs> out there, I'll, I'll, I'm keeping it quick because I assume most people don't care about these random features on this program. But if you do, it's life changing, fantastically life changing. And of you course, may have made someone's career right then, Kristen. Perspective yeah. ruler as well. Click on perspective ruler. There you go. Mm. That's how I learned perspective was through clips. I used Clip Studio Paint when I was doing Hench Girl too. All of the complicated perspective backgrounds, I had to use that because I didn't go to art school or anything. And I actually am like, my brain is not good at spatial stuff, which is funny for an artist. <laughs> like I can never like <laughs> estimate how much to put in a jar or whatever. So like I had to use that and it really taught me how, what, how like perspective works. Cause like just by rote doing it over and over again, using their grids, it just like taught my, it gave me the muscle memory. About 10 years ago, I took a art class in this place. If you know the DC area called the torpedo factory. Um, and they do all kinds of art, different types of art classes. And I took a drawing one cause I like sketching. And so they put something in front of us and said, okay, draw this and, you know, make sure you get all the perspective and all that stuff there. And so I remember specifically asking, how, how do I do that? How do you order some tips? And the response I got from the teacher was, just draw what you see. I'm like, okay, that's, uh, that's, that's not helping <laughs> no. my situation at all. <laughs> I was like, how, but what about the depth and all that stuff? Stop drawing what you think you see, drawing what you see. And I'm like, there is no try, there is do. I don't know what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> so, yeah, it didn't go well. Uh, well, there's, a, there's an element of that that's true, but especially in like cartooning, it is definitely not what you see. There's so much sim- symbology or whatever and breaking things mm-hmm. down into like, yeah, they're symbolic selves rather than because like if you if you draw exactly what you see in it, 
and turn it into a comic, it's going to look a little bit muddled. You have to change things. But also, like, it does help to know that all the lines will converge towards a certain point, and that's how perspective works, because that helps you see what you're seeing a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Does Making Friends 4 have a punny title yet? Yeah, it's called... Well, it's not that punny. It's called (laughs) Friends Forever. (laughs) But guess what? You would think that graphics would be the one to be like let's have a numeral four to like appeal to the kids. And they're like, no, let's spell out the word for forever. And I was like, well, what about it for? Really? <laughs> they're like, no. And I was like, no. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't push it very hard. I think I just literally yeah. said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Honestly, it was going to be called making friends for life. That's what I wanted to call it. But then they were mm. like, what about making friends for forever? And I was like, Sure. <laughs> And you were like, you're letting me make a fourth one of these, so whatever. Yeah. I was like, as long as it has some word that rhymes with four in it, because <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone can tell from the, the labyrinthine uh, word plays on my covers, but back to the draw back to the drawing board. Drawing board. Two. Hey. When I when I wrote that, I wrote back to with a numeral two. They of course didn't want that. <laughs> Third time's the <laughs> charm. Making friends, friends forever. So there is a, the secretly I, I put the numbers in there. <laughs> Maybe we need we need variant covers. Yeah, I do have a I variant guess. cover <gasps> for for the French version. The French well, version. Wait, the French friends friends version too. Oh. oh, oh my gosh! Guess what? Not only is there a French version, they were like. Uh, we would like a different cover for making friends. <laughs> That's how they said it hey. in their email. <laughs> they wanted a new in cover. Email. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted a new cover for making friends too, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "Can I draw the magical dog and a bunch of magic stuff?" So it has a very magical cover, and um, actually, uh, I got a few copies of it. Um, randomly in the mail from them and I sold copies of it at um, Emerald City to these kids who were like what it's in French and I was like yeah and they're like oui oui and I was like I don't know if you speak French but you know what you'll probably get a kick out of this yeah yeah I'll, I'll, show, nice. I'll send you a picture of it later oh please and do. also in French it's called uh, Magic Friends oh not fair des amis no, it's called yeah. Well, I think that's a Canadian version. They did do that, but the Fran- France French one, Magic Friends, and I was like, I was like, oh, why didn't I think of that? That's such a great title. Uh. <laughs> but you know, making friends is fun too. First, it was going to be called Imaginary Madison, and then no, no, making friends, making friends, <laughs> double making pun. Friends. I mean, yeah, you know what I wanted book two to be called influencing people and they're like, no. <laughs> okay dale carnegie all right <laughs> because she uses her magic to like manipulate the people around her yeah in book it's two. true like it's it it didn't make sense for the demographic but i was no like, except for steve rogers <laughs> and myself and joey yeah no one got that but okay what <laughs> i guess i guess you have to stop it for what would the fifth pun title be making friends Fifth time's a term. Uh, 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 yes, uh, everyone uh, will be that time. 
A fifth making, of Beethoven. Yeah, making, I don't know. Yeah, making friends a fifth of vodka. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're grown up now and they're all drunk. <laughs> <laughs> making. Fr- I'm going to think about this all night. I know. I can't think of anything. Yeah. We'll I get there. It's like Any other- quin- quintessent. Quin- oh. Quintessential friendship. <laughs> uh, I think you hit it. Pentagamy. That's another, no. that's a title that would definitely get vetoed. <laughs> yeah. Making friends pentagrams. Oh, Pentagony? Pentagony. Oh, oh. It's so goth. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Taylor Green at your door. Oh, oh, oh God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> any, other, um, any other project updates, life updates for us before we jump into Bob's trivia? No, I don't think so. Um, I've, yeah, it's just been those books. And, um, uh, oh, I've done some crafting. I made some stamps and I made some zines. And then I was like, oh, I should make zines. And then I was like, I can't get rid of any of these. I want all of them. <laughs> and so I can't sell them. So I should well, you, make you, uh, Yeah, you make God. photocopies of them. But I wanted to keep making new ones with my stamps. Mm. So my sister got a stamp making kit, which is basically just rubber that you carve with a carving knife. And we made like fifty stamps, and she made a hench girl stamp, and it came uh, you, out really cute. You, I would you, you bring that to cons, and I you could know. stamp it in people's books. Uh, I have Rocket Girl stamps from Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair, where they would stamp the book and then both sign underneath it. I know. I just would have to. I would want to do it myself and not use the one that my sister yes, made. Yes. And then I go. have. Then I'm like, oh, I have to do a good job, and then that's where I stop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, stuff where I don't have that. to do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but yes. you know, there is one more thing. You are starring in a new movie, right? Oh, yeah. Funny Pages. <laughs> no, I'm in the background in the what form in of my the work. Hell? My, my yeah, comic. Like you're not in the background. <laughs> okay. If you consider that my main character is clearly an avatar for my seventh grade self, then technically <laughs> I am a version of myself is very blurrily in the background of at least two frames of the movie Funny Pages. So I'm basically a movie star. We agree. (laughs) Everything's coming up, Kristen. (laughs) I can't believe it. Honestly, first when Jordan was like, there's a movie about comics, I was a little bit like, no, that's my thing. But then I was like, and then he was like, it's by Owen Klein, Kevin Klein's son. And I was like, nepotism. And then I saw that and I'm like, Owen Klein, I would die for you. Thank you. <laughs> I, take it, I take it all back. I take back all my snark. <laughs> but that's yeah, that's great. it. No, nothing new. Nothing just, new. Just work to do. Mm-hmm. But next year, there will be a bunch of new stuff. Cool. We're very excited. That's awesome. Well, to honor your deadlines, we'll move into the next segment. <laughs> so, so, Bob, take us, take us away. with What are we doing today? We are doing movie trivia. And, uh, look, it's – here's this thing. We, we, we're hoping that everyone out there, too, will play along. We won't give the answers till the end. We'll wait till the end of the, the 10 questions. And there – you know, if you are scoring at home and you know you are, just, just be nice. That's all I'm going to say. So, yeah. shall, shall we just dive right into And no wagering, yeah. please, no wagering. 
No. We'll do one point each. Max points at the end wins. Bob does have a tiebreaker. He won't have to use it since I typically win these no. things. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it Some goes. Some of these questions um, have bonus points on them. So just beware. Okay. So just we, write down, we write down our we answers. We write down, yes. There'll be no yelling of answers. We will we will collect all ten at the end. So that, and so then Bob will go or anything like that? What's that? No. No yelling Yahtzee oh, this or is anything also, like that? No Yahtzee. No. no yelling Yahtzees. This is Aaron's and Kristen's first <laughs> trivia. Yes, that's show. true. Yeah. So so how about this? Read each question twice. Mm-hmm. We'll write down our answer and then we'll move on to the second Absolutely. question. Absolutely. We'll just go through that. All righty. Right. Here we go. Question number one. Ready. Ready. Let's do this. This retired cinematic icon resisted Steven Spielberg's attempts to lure them back to the big screen, even when offered a million dollars for a day's work. Eventually, they accepted, but only if that money was donated to UNICEF. For one point oh. each, name the actor and the film. To repeat, this retired cinematic icon resisted Steven Spielberg's attempts to lure them back to the big screen, even when offered a million dollars for a day's work. Eventually, they accepted, but only if that money was donated to UNICEF. For one point each, name the actor and the film. Hmm. Ready for number two. Mm-hmm. Mm, give me like uh, 15 okay. seconds. Mm. We start with a tough one. I am not going to lie. He, he's Googling. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> killing not. me here. There's none of that. There's none of that. I don't know. You, you, you'd stump me on the first one. Okay. Number two. His co-star, Faye Ray, described him as the tallest, darkest leading man in Hollywood. Please name this movie legend. His co-star, Faye Ray, I hear laughing. His co-star, <laughs> Faye Ray, described him as the tallest, darkest leading man in Hollywood. That's Please me just trying not to say Yahtzee. This movie <laughs> legend. <laughs> Kino. Number three. Are we ready for number three? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, it's time, as Cole Porter wrote in Kiss Me Kate, to brush up your Shakespeare. Which play by the Bard of Avon was West Side Story based on? I got this one. While I'm at it, for a bonus point, which of Shakespeare's comedies was adapted into Kiss Me, Kate? And just to be crazy, for a super bonus point, which 1611 play formed the basis for the 1956 science fiction classic Forbidden Planet? Oh, you've asked me this one before, Bob. Have I? I think so. Okay. I got it anyway. Can we repeat but, the know. first question? Sure. The number one question or the first part of number three? First part of number three. Which play by the Bard of Avon was West Side Story based upon? For a bonus point, which of Shakespeare's comedies was adapted into Kiss Me, Kate? And for a super bonus point, which 1611 play formed the basis for the 1956 science fiction classic Forbidden Planet? All right, I feel like my luck is turning now. This is good. Right. You really had me on that first one. I was like, this is going to be too hard. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Number four, the official Marvel Cinematic Universe began with what 2008 film? For a oh. bonus point, which Marvel character was the first to be featured in a theatrical release headlining a movie serial in 1944? Mm. Which mo- Okay, wait. The first... Wait, I'm sorry. Okay, the official 
the official Marvel Cinematic Universe began with what 2008 film? For a bonus point, which Marvel character was the first to be featured in a theatrical release headlining a movie serial in 1944? Okay. I feel like such a fake geek because I am not sure about <laughs> either. Of, I don't know either of these, and I don't. I, I feel like it's very obvious. I won't say anything though. I I tend to put subtle clues in tougher questions. I'll just say it that way. Can you repeat question four again? Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna like listen really hard for the subtle clues. The official Marvel Cinematic Universe began with what 2008 film? For a bonus point, which Marvel character was the first to be featured in a theatrical release headlining a movie serial in 1944? Hmm. Oh. That one I feel good about. Oh, uh, I thought you might. Three and four I feel good about. How about one and two. So here's number five. Oh. I hope everyone feels good about number five. For one point each... What are the first names of the classic comedians Abbott and Costello? Oh, mm. crap. Can I phone a friend? No, you can't. You'll get one point. Emily! Right I no, 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 I got it. <laughs> For one point each, what are the first names of the classic comedians Abbott and Costello? Oh. One point for each correct luck answer. luck is turning. The C? Emily, come here. I'm always hoping for those. Disqualified. Yeah, Disqualified. there's no teamwork. Can you whisper in my ear the Disqualified. first Disqualified. <laughs> come on. Yeah, Lou. Oh, see, see there, disqualified. Joey gets no points. Nope. Okay, all right, I got it. <laughs> I, I came up with that myself. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, kind of a science question here. A monstrously popular film franchise and the novel before it takes its title from a period in geologic history. For one point each, name the three periods of the Mesozoic era, a.k.a. the Age of Dinosaurs, 252 million to 66 million years ago. And you'll get a bonus point if you can name them in chronological order. One more time. A monstrously popular film franchise and the novel before it takes its title from a period in geologic history. For one point each, name the three periods of the Mesozoic era, the Age of oh, Dinosaurs. And you get a bonus point if you can name them in chronological order. I freaking I freaking love dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> so do we need that one more time just for clarity? No, I'll be equally as stupid the third time you read it. So yeah, it it's, okay. it's, the answer's not going to pop into my head just for me saying one of the, one of the three should. I know. I'm what? just saying. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I stole this question from somebody who asked it at quiz night. I was at with our original host Bobby, and that I, I was like, "Oh, I got this one," so I stole it. So thank I you. Feel uh, like I know too, but I'm like, "Am I making that up in my head, or is that actually a real thing?" So I'm going to just say it and see what happens. Yeah, you never can tell. You always go with your first impulse. Joey, you're going to know this one, I hope, because it's musical. Oh, uh, yeah, I might. Barry Bostwick of the Rocky Horror Picture Show originated the role of Danny Zuko in the first Broadway production of Grease. But he was followed by an actor who would co-star in the film version, although in a different role. Name this actor for one point. Oh, oh crap. Oh, no. I'm looking at his face. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Yes. Say again. Wow. Say the question Wait, what's again. The question? 
who's the person? Bar- Barry Bostwick of the Rocky Horror Picture Show originated the role of Danny Zuko in the first Broadway production of Grease. But he was followed by an actor who would co-star in the film version, although in a completely different role. Oh Name the actor God. for one point. I'm looking I, at his face. I'm not good with names. Because he oh, was gosh. in, Bob, you know I know he was in a show with, uh, I'll just say maybe Mary Lou Hanna at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember yeah, his name. That guy. Yes. Since you <laughs> offered it to the to the crew, yes, it was, it was that guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're, we're to, do guy. I get partial points if I identify? <laughs> just say that guy from that show. No, I don't. I don't. What if, well, what we'll if I describe the show? Yeah. Okay. So Barry Boswick of the Rocky Horror Picture Show originated the role of Danny Zuko in the first Broadway production of Grease, but he was followed by an actor who would co-star in the film version, although oh. in a completely different role. It's no, in my face. I don't got it. It's in my face. Well, you you got time while we read the next two questions, and, and oh at the God. end, if anyone needs any of them reread, I can do that very easily. So number eight, he is the only actor to have portrayed the four classic Universal creatures. That is, he played Dracula, the Wolfman, the Mummy, and Frankenstein's monster. Oh, this one I what know. What is his name? He is the only actor to have portrayed the four classic Universal creatures, and that means at Universal Pictures. That is, he played Dracula, the Wolfman, the Mummy, and Frankenstein's monster. It's one of two names I know here. Generally, that's what comes up. You also notice I made sure to say Frankenstein's monster because I hate it when people do the wrong thing. (laughs) Which is actually a part of the movie Son of Frankenstein. Basil Rathbone exclaims, they even call that thing by our name. Anyway. <laughs> Are we ready for number nine? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Joey says exasperated. Yes. Oh, <laughs> no, that one, that one I got. That one I this got. Is, this is more music. So here we go. The lead singer of this immortal Motown group provided the voice for the very hungry plant Audrey II in the 1986 musical version of Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, for God's sake. I'm you, get, oh, you, get, him. you get one point for the group because you can just guess that. But you'll get two more for his name. Oh, for God's sake. Wait, what again, was the question I'm, again? Uh, I'm seeing the, his face. The lead singer of this immortal Motown group provided the voice for the very hungry plant Audrey 2 in the 1986 musical version of Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. You get one point for the group, because that's just a guess. But you'll get two more points for that singer's name. Mm. You know, I'm not good with I'm not good with names. If, we, if there was some way to project a face <laughs> <laughs> and, and shoot me over the, the image. Exactly. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I, I don't think I'm ready for audio video yet, but you never know. Okay, question number 10. Before he made his film debut writing, directing, and starring in Citizen Kane at age 24, he brought America to a panic with his radio broadcast of The War of the Worlds. Name this boy genius. My man. <laughs> my man Jason Momoa <laughs> Lord have mercy before he made his film debut writing directing and starring in Citizen Kane at age 24 he brought America to a panic with his radio broadcast of the War of the Worlds name this boy genius does anyone need a question reread before we start giving answers 
I'm not as confident oh. about my first my answer to the first question as I was when I first said it. As we progressively got farther, I'm like, uh, I think I might have screwed myself. You never know. Yeah, I got a couple that I, I definitely did not do well Can on. Can you do three one more time? Sure. Well, it's time, as Cole Porter wrote in Kiss Me Kate, to brush up your Shakespeare. Which play by the Bard of Avon was West Side Story based upon? While I'm at it, for a bonus point, which of Shakespeare's comedies was adapted into Kiss Me Kate? And just to be crazy, for a super bonus point, which 1611 play formed the basis for the 56 science fiction classic Forbidden Planet? Nope, I'm still dumb. Nope. No, you're not dumb. These are tough. <laughs> <laughs> no. this, 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 I got to tell you, before we even get into the answers, these were some good questions. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <sighs> Frankie Old Can Uncle Bob's repeat? trivia. Sure. These are great, yeah. I think. Can you repeat? I'm not. I'm, and now I don't need it to repeat it because I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna manifest the answer. <laughs> Kristen, do you need anything? Run back. For the same reason, no. Either is the. I heard all the questions, so anything that I have a nonsense or question mark answer to, I don't think hearing it again is going to well, we, suddenly. We, 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 new information okay a, a nonsense answer you never know i i am you know not the stern school mom if you if you make me laugh enough you never know what was 10 again just read us 10 again 10 was before he made his film debut writing directing and starring in citizen kane at age 24 he brought america to a panic with his radio broadcast of the war of the worlds name this okay boy that's, what I, that's what i thought okay great well, here we go all right yeah. so for our listeners at home We'll read through the questions, except this time, Bob's going to give us the answer. Tally up your points. One point for the correct answer. You get a bonus point if there was a bonus point, and then we'll see who wins. Wait, are, we gonna, are we going to give our answers, and then Bob's going to? Yeah, gonna... do we have to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I meant. That's what I meant, yeah. Bob will ask the question. We'll go around, give yeah. our answers, and then he'll give us the right one. Okay, number one, this retired cinematic icon resisted Steven Spielberg's attempts to lure them back to the big screen, even when offered a million dollars for a day's work. Eventually, they accepted, but only if that money was donated to UNICEF. For one point each, name the actor and the film. I think I know this. Okay, Aaron. All right, we'll go. We'll go. Aaron, Kristen, me. Is it Audrey Hepburn? It is Audrey Hepburn. <gasps> That's what I wrote. And is it? That's what I wrote, and it was only because of UNICEF. Uh-huh. That's yeah, the, I feel that's like the I remember clue. hearing that. Oh, I put an X on my paper already. Thinking <laughs> <I got laughs> no, you were correct. And the movie. Does anyone well, have the movie? Is it always? No, it is always. It is always, Aaron. Lovely. Look at that. Was that an extra point? That's an extra point for that. Aaron's got two. Everyone else has one. Wow. I'm sure. Always literally popped in my mind at the – here's the reason why. Because I I remember the trailer for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) In the movie, uh, Steven Spielberg, it's a remake of a guy named Joe, the Spencer Tracy pilot movie. Uh, he crashes his crop dusting plane, and yep. they needed someone to play an angel and or god on Earth, and they came up with well, who, be- who better than Audrey Hepburn? And she went, I, and she went no, I'm retired. I'm done. I'm I'm not doing this anymore. Was Holly Hunter in that? Yes, she is. Oh, here you go. You're, I love Audrey Hepburn. Oh God, yes. Yeah, she is so charming. I've been watching like every couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, let me put on an Audrey Hepburn movie. I watched Roman Holiday. I watched. Um, What's the one where Tiffany's? I, I saw Breakfast at Tiffany's a long time ago. Um, what's the one charade? Charade did did it did a podcast episode with our friend Stephanie about charade? The, the caper. That's cast. why I watched it because you two were talking about it, and I was like, I gotta watch it. And she is just so charming all the time. 
the movie I want to watch is the um, the 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 wait until dark or awesome. the awesome the, plays the world champion movie. blind lady. I will also recommend a movie by Stanley Donner, who also did uh, Funny Face with her. Uh, it is called Oh, I saw Funny Face. Love, Love Funny Face. My favorite musical, Two for the Road, with Audrey yes. and Albert Finney, which is a couple dealing with their marriage through four different time periods that keep intersecting and running around each other. It is beautifully bittersweet, funny, real, amazing movie that I won't spoil. Yeah. I'm shook. I'm shook that I got a point on that. Jesus. Yes. Well, I two. have to say, Go ahead. wait, My Fair Lady, also great of course. movie. George oh, of course. Yes. Fantastic. Even though she can't really sing. She, she really she, can. She, she can. knocks it out of the park. Okay, look, I think she Not, did a great she can't do, job. Do, she but can't like, do Eliza. No, she can't do the songs and the notes that Marnie Nixon did. She has a hit. lower no, they, voice. Yes. She's on the great. DVD, I love her. And on the Laserdisc, and you can actually listen to it as the second track, they recorded her vocals. She cannot do I Could Have Danced All Night. There's no question. The Audrey version of Wouldn't It Be Loverly with her real vocals, it's on YouTube. Check it out. It is actually, it's better. It's actually yeah. better. Pause yeah. the podcast. Pause the podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, question number two. Mm-hmm. His co-star, Faye Ray, described him as the tallest, darkest leading man in Hollywood. Please name this movie legend. King Kong? King, King Kong. Kong. King Kong? Yep. King Kong. Nice. Okay, we're into some Shakespeare now. I got that. Which played by the count. part of Avon was West Side Story based on? Where does Kiss Me Kate come from? And then there's Forbidden Planet. No clue. Aaron? No clue. <laughs> Romeo and even try? Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Taming of the sh- Taming of the Shrew. Yes. And question marks. I have no clue. I am very curious to know the Joey answer. Ha- I think Joey has this one. Go ahead. Tempest. It's the Tempest. You have the other two as well, right? Oh. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, Walter Pigeon is actually playing Prospero, and they come to the island, and it's, uh, it's oh. the whole. Yeah. Wait, I did know that. Yeah. I saw that movie yeah. like a year ago on TCM. That's a classic one. Yep. Romeo and Juliet, West Side, West Side Story is mwah, it's 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 one of my favorite things in the whole universe. I love it so much. <laughs> the recent revival on Broadway was trash, but I went and this and the Spielberg film I enjoyed, but nothing beats oh, I hated nothing it. beats the I original. hated it so much I could go on a rant I, for hours about how much I hated it. Why why did Rita Moreno sing somewhere? I look. I will say that that arc for that character, Rita Moreno, in that movie redeemed it in some ways for me. I loved it. I okay, loved her. She shouldn't be singing the romance song from the perspective of the lovers because it makes you less invested in the lovers when they aren't Not the, the ones singing the song about how much that they're I'm in love and want to run away together. Instead, I'm it's a lady sitting in a chair singing it. Singing somewhere it a place for us. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say, it, Kristen. It wasn't Rita's song that had me not invested in those lovers. Oh. It was. It was. It was one of those lovers in particular with a very unique name that took me out of that movie right away. I just like. I'm a purist. I care about oh, making sure that the okay, and I know that the move. The other movie was changed from the play too. But I'm like, yes. Well, the other things that they changed from the play, like changing the song, um, cool, crazy, cool, whatever it's called, cool, cool, and Krupke flipping them. They changed what song cool is about instead of being yes. about their emotional states and the complex, um, like existence of 
being um, a, an angry uh, youth in uh, 1950s America inner city, it's about giving someone a gun. Yeah, yeah, it's it like was awful. it removed all of like the subtext and like character stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not subtle. You can't. The original is 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 amazing. It's amazing. The choreography, all of it. I will say that <clears throat> having seen the recent revival, which was trash, <laughs> there was something better. nice about it. Did <laughs> no, it really did because because the choreography was inspired by the drum Rums choreography. So like, and I, Emily had only ever seen the revival and was like, I don't get it. And I was like, wait, and we saw the movie and I was like, this is what it's supposed to look like. Um, But I totally agree with you. And it also makes me think, why aren't we doing a talking movies podcast revival? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Bob, next question. Okay. (laughs) The official Marvel Cinematic Universe began with what 2008 film? And for a bonus point, which Marvel character was the first to be featured in a theatrical release, headlining a movie serial in, hint, 1944? Okay. I said Iron Man, but I couldn't remember if the Angly Hulk counts as part of it or if that was first. (laughs) No, no, no. It it's was Iron, Iron Man. Man. You get that point. Oh, great. Aaron, oh. Aaron, you got Iron Man? No, I put Hulk. Ah, okay. Was Angley Hulk a Marvel movie? Yeah. No. Well, they showed up at the end. That's right? not, but that's not the official Marvel Cinematic Universe done by Paramount, then yeah, so yeah. and so forth. So. And the f- character in 1944? Captain America. I said Captain Cap- America. Captain America. Captain America. I got one point. That's one point. I get two. There you go. I said Iron Man. I was so excited when that movie was coming out because I was like, I like Robert Downey Jr. and I hope he's doing better. And then that movie <laughs> blew up and like <laughs> I come back around I to saw him Sherlock Holmes. I saw Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Me too. Yeah, that's what I love. I love that. And I was, I was still- so into that movie and like the singing detective that I was like <laughs> I'll watch this. Oh my gosh, the singing Marvel movie. Wait, I was still judging him on less than zero. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Was he, he was in um was he in Gothica with Halle Berry? Yes. Oh, that's rough. Yes, he was. So the next question Joey is uh removed from. Yes. I'm disqualified. One point each, one of the first names of the classic comedians, Abbott and Costello. Bud and Lou. Yes, Bud and, and Lou. Lou. Although I might have heard one of those that. answers on the stream. <laughs> I also heard that. It's funny because I think Emily would have killed this trivia because her family like watched Abbott and Costello and the I Universal Monster that. movies and the, and the OG King Kong. Like, uh, like she would have done very well. I could send you a copy. I could send you a copy, Joey. Sunday yeah, mornings if, back when I was growing up, Sunday morning for whatever reason. What was that, Bob? Because they have, it was it W-O-R? W-O-R or Channel 5, Channel 11. They passed they the old stations, Abbott and Costello's every Sunday morning. Yep. Every Sunday. And that's where I would watch them. Good, good, good. Now, it's especially William Bud Abbott, but who, who cares? He's Bud Abbott. <laughs> so here's our science question. Uh, I got it. Name the three periods of the Mesozoic era from that monstrously popular film franchise, and in order, get you an extra bonus point. Ooh, in order, in order to get I you an extra do. point. So if you re- you got to read them in the order you wrote them down in. Aaron, you're, you're first up. I just got Jurassic. <laughs> okay, one for Jurassic. Kristen? Jurassic, Cretaceous. And then I was not sure if this was trick, so I said Mesozoic. 
because you said that word. I had it there, but then it I was, just I it, stopped. It's not a, it's not a trick, but now what, would you had <laughs> Cretaceous and Jurassic? Yes. Okay, that's two. Okay. What order are they I, in? I don't know. I just know Joey? Jurassic Park. I, I don't know if I wrote them in order, but this is the order I wrote them in. Jurassic, Cretaceous, Triassic. That is correct. That is not the right order, but that is correct. It's Triassic, it's like Triassic, Triassic Jurassic, Cretaceous. Cretaceous ends. Okay. It's the Cretaceous. Are we doing tertiary, one point each? Yes, one point each. But if you, you get one extra if you got them in order. Oh, I didn't. Okay, great. So right now we're at 10 to 10 between Joey and Kristen. Aaron, you're at seven, but there are lots of so, points to come. It's funny because like I freaking loved Jurassic Park, obviously, like everyone else in the universe. So I would read the encyclopedia at summer camp because there was like a little mm. library in the like when we were inside and I would read the encyclopedia about the dinosaurs and I did the same thing about space. And I'm really upset that we didn't go to the moon today um, and that they delayed the flight because I was like, one day I'm going to the moon. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, next question. <laughs> Barry Bostwick of the Rocky Horror Picture Show originated the role of Danny Zuko in the first Broadway production of Grease, but he was followed by an actor who would co-star in the film version, although in a completely different role. Name this actor for one point. Aaron, you're close. It's the guy from Tax. Jeff Conway. Jeff, Jeff Conway. Conway, yes. Thank you. That is no. correct. I, I, oh it literally no. just came to me. Wow. Does he sing? Good for you, Aaron. Does he sing Greased Lightning? He's Kanicki. Yeah, he's part yeah. of that crew that sings Greased Lightning. Does he sing Greased Lightning? Okay, well, That's I, wrote, I was like, I wrote Greased Lightning guy. I was, I was like, what? Give her half a point half for a that. Point. I'll take a quarter point, honestly. Quarter point, okay. <laughs> I, was, I, was in, I was in Greece in high school as a background. Um, Pink lady? But, like, no. Background people who are, like, just standing there. The ensemble. I was an ensemble person. <laughs> I was there to hang out with my friends, but I should know about Greece. And honestly, I should know about Little Shop because I was also yeah. in that play. Uh oh. Honestly, I hate Greece, so I, I was not going to know the answer to that question. <laughs> question eight, the only actor to have portrayed the four classic Universal creatures at Universal Pictures, he played Dracula, the Wolfman, the Mummy, and Frankenstein's monster. What is his name? I got it. Aaron? Is it Lon Chaney? Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney, baby. <gasps> yeah. Everyone gets a point. It's technically Lon Chaney Jr., but I, he... It, <gasps> He, he, gave, he gave no. He he dropped the junior after a while, so he was billed as Lon Chaney. I'll be honest. I was thinking, is it senior or junior? And I just left it blank. <laughs> oh well, like, I, I appreciate it's, that honesty. It's a Chaney. Yes, but you, you don't lose a point. He was actually Creighton Creighton Hull Chaney. Oh. And he refused to use his father's name for years and years and years, and he had no career, and finally gave up. And Man. got to appear in the stage version of of Mice and Men, hmm. and he's in the film version with Burgess Meredith, and it's a must see. It was up for Best Picture of nineteen thirty nine. I saw that movie; huh? it was so good, yeah. and I couldn't believe that that was the guy who was um, the wolf. Um, <laughs> no, the other the Burgess, oh, Burgess Meredith, the penguin like, and Rocky, penguin, yeah. And, yeah, and Rocky, the trainer from Rocky. I was yep. like, because I was. I was like in high school because we read the book and then we watched the movie in class. And I was like, the this same. is a babe. And I, yeah. like, Googled him and I was like, oh. <laughs> yep. Uh, score by Aaron Copeland, too. Oh. Yeah. He's All not right. so much of a babe when he looks like the penguin. 
I don't no. know. The penguin makeup doesn't really do it for me. No, he was. Uh, I, I don't know. That top hat. Uh, Burgess, the top hat is yeah, cool. You got to say that the nose and the 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 squawking, which penguins yeah, don't squawk squawking. like that. It's more like a duck. But we, you know, we're, 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 I'm not gonna I'm not gonna foul shame here either. Okay. <laughs> Number nine, the lead singer of this immortal Motown group provided the voice for the very hungry plant Audrey Two in the '86 musical version of Little Shop of Horrors. One point for the group, but you get two more if you know his name. Is four it tops. Levi Stubbs? It is Levi Stubbs. Kristen has Tom four tops. That's why I had both. I was. Oh, I started okay. Fourth. Aaron gets two. Kristen gets one. I did not have. I one. get none. Well, going into question number ten, Kristen's at twelve and maybe a quarter. Joey and Aaron each have eleven. Actually, no. Aaron has twelve as well because he got Levi Stubbs, which is two points. Oh, so that means that my Grease Lightning guy quarter point is quarter actually... point could could come into play here. <laughs> <laughs> someone's, someone's not competitive at all. I'm sensing. <laughs> technically, technically, I did get Lou and Bud. You absented yourself on your. You refused yourself from that question, as I recall. You were weak. You cheated. I phoned her. She was coming down the stairs at that exact moment. I don't know. What yeah, to just as I screamed her name, she was happy. She happened to be coming down the stairs. <laughs> she was just walking down the stairs saying the names of Abbott and Castell organically. It's not that like always he happens in their house. Uh, you'd be surprised. Number ten. Before he made his film debut, writing, directing, and starring in Citizen Kane at age twenty-four, he brought America to a panic with his radio broadcast of The War of the Worlds. Name this boy genius. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. I didn't know he was 24 when he did Citizen Kane. Yep, he was born, born oh, way, way back in, you know, 1915. That's crazy. He's so great. Oh, my gosh. Did you know his last role was a voice on, like, a Transformers cartoon? Yes. I think it's Optimus so Prime. Oh, I guess maybe that's not sad. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, they just put together his the last film he directed, The Other Side of the Wind, which yes. never got finished. It is, amazingly enough, for a guy whose career started when he did, it's a very indie, weird-looking, catch-film-as-you-can from five different kinds of cameras. It is an amazing piece of work. Yeah. This has nothing to do with anything, kind of. <clears throat> I was... Um, I was at Emily's parents' house and her dad is a huge movie guy and, and loves everything. And he was like, you have to watch this documentary by Werner Herzog about the actor Klaus Kinski called My Best Fiend. I've and never Klaus seen it. I remember Kinski, it. Yeah. Yes. It is the craziest thing because Klaus Kinski essentially was a madman. Like an insane person who would like attack people on set and like rave and go psychotic on set. It was crazy. Is he Ezra Miller's father? But, <laughs> oh boy. But Werner Herzog worked with him six times in a row. And like, and the documentary starts and he's like, I worked with him. It's all in German. And he's like, I worked with him on my first movie. And he attacked a man with a sword and he shot a gun into the extras tent. And then he's like, and then on the next movie when I hired him, I'm like, we need to stop right there. Like, why Why did you hire – anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Just bring up the point. Okay. We right now – Are we? if we're counting Kristen's quarter point, she leads with 13 and a quarter. Aaron has 13 and Joey has 12. 
I can give up. I can give up my quarter point. No, no, no. The guest wins. The guest wins. <laughs> but all I wrote was Grace Lightning guy. <laughs> That's close enough. But here's the thing. We'll give everyone a chance to win a bonus round question. How's that? <gasps> yes. All right. Yeah. So for one point each, name as many as you can of the actors who play James Bond 007 in the movies. Oh, I and got you have this. one minute forty-seven I seconds. I would play the James Bond theme for a minute forty-seven, but I can't because it would foul up the computer. Sing it, sing no, it. No, 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 no. We just writing this down. You got to write these down. Name. I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. Name as many as you can of all the actors who played James Bond slash 007 in the movies. I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. One more. There's some guy I'm forgetting. And. Um, oh, I'm seeing this guy's face too from the one movie. Oh crap! Um, oh crap! The one movie. Who's the guy that no one likes? <laughs> Just kidding. No one <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't. Oh, what's his freaking name? We have about thirty seconds to go. Oh gosh. Oh. Uh, oh, oh, oh. oh my god, I almost had it. Okay, wait. I might be saying the name of the guy from Deadwood. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Lalo from Breaking Bad. I don't think, no. I don't think I, either I, of them are I James know, Bond, but you never know. No, but I'm saying that I the know, person's name sounds like oh, one of okay. their names. I, I know the trick you're doing, Bob. I know the trick, and I don't know the actor who played... I, James Bond in that. Yes, movie. that's what I'm trying to. F- I'm. I'm seeing his face. I know the bigger name in that movie, but I don't. Oh, I don't know the character. Hold the on, actor. Give me one more second. I'm thinking it's coming. What is there me. a secret movie where someone plays? Oh, is it that weird movie that was like really long and was a bomb? That was like a spy movie. Was there a secret movie that has James Bond in it? I don't know. About. Well, there is no sort of, which I, I would count if anyone got them, but I, I wasn't. Or the TV movie from the 1950s. I'm not counting Barry Nelson either. You know something crazy? I've seen like literally no James Bond movies wow. at all. I think I only well, saw uh, Quantum whatever. I'm hearing a talking comment, a talking movies. Uh, <laughs> I, think we, I think we got <laughs> something going. Okay. Oh, I'm hearing are it. we ready? I'm ready. I'm okay. The, I have the, the whole Eon, The Eon Productions begin with Sean Connery. Check. Yes. He yep. left, followed for one film on Her Majesty's Secret Service by George Lazenby. That's the one yep. I couldn't remember. Not get him. Connery. Australian. Connery, yes. Australian model who made one picture, which is one of the best in the bunch and a big influence on Inception, just to say. I got a I got a funny story, not funny story, very sad story. But good okay. to continue. Uh, Connery came back. We don't have, we don't have to count him twice. It's not like Richard Burton and Liz Taylor. She doesn't he doesn't get to count three twice. times. Technically, <laughs> never say never, never again. Say never again. again yeah. uh, after Lazenby was Roger Moore. Yep. Yes. Followed for two pictures by Timothy Dalton. Yep. Love That's was actually what I was trying to think of. Yep. Timothy was, no. hated him. Dalton. No, license to kill. Yes. License to kill and Living Daylights rule. They are so good. Dalton was asked to replace Connery in 1968. He was in the Royal Shakespeare Company. He said he was just too young. He would have been so young. Yeah, that's, that's he, he would have been so different from Roger Moore. Yeah. Could have helped. Anyway, followed by anyway. Pierce Brosnan. Yep, that's my yep. bond. Grew up with that one. Then Daniel Craig. 
Yep, that's all I got. Uh-huh. And in the and in the and so, in the last James so, Bond movie, 007 was also played by Lashana Lynch. Oh, oh you tricked us the there. I was I was trying to think of the Peter Sellers yes. movie. No. Casino oh, Royale. Peter Sellers, Woody Allen, and David Niven each played James Bond in that movie. That was the thing I thought oh. you were referring to as well, because I, no, I, uh, I couldn't was remember George reading Lazenby. about that. If mm. anyone had thrown out any of those names, I might have accepted them. So I wow. said Peter Sellers. I wrote Peter Sellers. Okay, down. so how many do you have then, Joey? I have seven. If you count Peter yes, Sellers. Yes, I'll count it. Kristen? Okay, great. I have five. I have five. Well, but Joey wins, wins the bonus bond, bond round. So this is so funny because literally yesterday, as we were watching My Best Fiend, uh, we were just riffing on James Bond, and Emily's dad told me about Lazenby's post-Bond career when he kind of turned down being Bond. And he was like, the the producers, Broccoli and the mm-hmm. other guy. Um, uh, Saltzman. Yeah. Basic Saltzman, but Broccoli and Saltzman basically like blacklisted him yeah. um, and he couldn't get work. So he went over to Hong Kong and like started up with the, um, the Shaw brothers, the, the company. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Shaw brothers and, and tried to get into a few crazy Kung Fu pictures there. Um, and Bruce Lee was kind of one of his big backers, but then Bruce Lee died and, um, you know, he wasn't able to like make some of those big movies that he and Bruce have been no. talking about. So he ended up kind of doing these bit parts in Hong Kong. Lazenby also Aww. played James Bond without playing James Bond because they couldn't use the name. There was a TV movie of the return of the man from uncle. And he drives up next to Robert Vaughn and, and uh, David McCallum in the, the Aston Martin. And it's like, Oh yeah. Hi. Hi James. And he just drives on and, <laughs> It, it does. It doesn't count. It does not count. However, but he he didn't so, he didn't ingratiate himself to the producers, the other actors, anybody, and he always said, "I quit." And no, they fired him. They fired him and made sure he didn't oh, work yeah. again. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Um, the funny thing is, Majesty's Secret Service was intended to be the follow up to Goldfinger, and then it would have had Connery in it. But because of all sorts of craziness, uh, I'll, I'll keep this as short as I can. The James Bond TV movie with Barry Nelson was supposed to then become a TV series of James Bond in the 50s that Fleming was going to write. He found himself unable to do it, hired a friend, Ke- Kevin McClory, to help him write screenplays. NBC rejected it. He then took one of McClory's ideas and wrote Thunderball. McClory then Sooty and Fleming. And, and had the rights then to make a movie. Eon was getting ready to do Majesties. McClory was making Thunderball, and he couldn't get it done, and they merged projects. And the fact that McClory did this Thunderball thing is why there was Never Say Never Again years later. Mm-hmm. And why in between, in 1977, Connery was going to come back and do a movie with McClory called Warhead, which included aiming cruise missiles at New York and, what do you hear this, sharks with laser beams on their heads. <laughs> no lie. So, yeah, that is it for trivia. How did, how did everyone feel? We all have a good time, I hope. That was we all had a great time. So much I fun. felt smart for a little Let's, bit, and then I was dumb again. Yeah. <laughs> Discounting the bonus, I think Kristen takes it. Kristen takes it with 13 and a Kristen quarter. Kristen takes it. Welcome to Thank the podcast you. trivia night. Thank you. Thank you. Your no prize will be wending its way to you as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
Honestly, I think this is like the beginnings of a spinoff. I feel it. This is like this is like a Hobbs and Shaw moment. Is this for, a pilot you know, episode? Like the Fast and the Furious. Could be. This was it a, could be. This was a backdoor pilot to Talking Movies 2.0. Yeah. Kristen, mm-hmm. will you join us here and again? Yes. 100%. Well, you know, you know Emily, me. I, I, I love talking about movies. Yes. Emily will scream things from the stairs. It'll be great. <laughs> Actually, wait, I have a movie recommendation. Two of them. I just saw two great movies. Orphan First Kill Ooh. and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. But- oh, you like that movie? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I thought it was really fun. Um, cool. I thought it was I think I like Orphan First Kill more because it was like mm-hmm. crazier. But I also yeah. like I liked Orphan the first one, but not that much. Uh, and and I it's it's this. Isabel Furman again, yeah, right? It's really like, weird. I had to look her up to see if she actually did have this gland disorder that her character does. But no, they just they just have her sit in a little chair, and like <laughs> everyone else has to wear platform shoes, and she has like a body, a couple like child body doubles for like over the shoulder shots. Love and otherwise, everything stuff. else Why? is like everything oh, else yeah. is just like forced perspective, and like just makeup. So there's nothing, there's no like CGI to her face or whatever. That's awesome. It is. And actually it's like, it's less gross than the first one because she doesn't look like a tiny child anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And what is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies while we're at it? It's kind of like this comedy horror movie and it was, it has a female director. I forgot her name, but still, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And the screenplay was... The story was written by the lady who wrote Cat Person, Kristen mm-hmm. Rupinian or whatever, and it has Pete yeah. Davidson in it. Wow. <laughs> and it's like, it's yeah. just like, it's kind of like the tone is like sort of like the show search party. And it's like um, a really goofy um, horror movie that is just very comedy based. Oh, so it's funny. It wasn't like Helena, Helena Rajan. Yeah. Rain. Helena Rain. Helena Rain. Sure. I yeah. don't even remember. That's that's the director. She's from <gasps> Dutch. Dutch. Uh, uh, Amsterdam. The ah. Netherlands. Oh, and the girl in it is the girl from Borat 2. His fake daughter. Yes. I was like, oh my god, yeah. she got more roles. I'm so glad for <laughs> her. She was so funny. <laughs> Definitely but, um, uh, Rachel Rachel Senat is also in oh, that movie. She's really, and really, really funny. I don't know who she. She was in Shiva Baby, yeah. uh, which was on HBO, and I freaking loved Shiva Baby. <laughs> she's like I I didn't know who she was until I saw this movie, and she was definitely like a scene stealer. She's very very sure. funny. So it's like it's not like necessarily a movie you go to see when you want to be scared. It's more like if you want some millennial style LOLs. Because it's very like <laughs> millennial humor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bob, for hosting Trivia. My yes. pleasure. It was thank great. you. Thank you for letting me win, everyone. <laughs> it was that. It was that quarter point. It was because you guessed Grease Lightning, yeah. and that was that was enough to put you over. I was like, that's um, the hopefully, other character. <laughs> hopefully, our listeners at home, you know, had a great time. You know, let us know your scores. We swear to God that after the break, we will be talking about comics with some lightning <laughs> rounds and some news. But right now, we're going to take a short break to let Kristen go so she can go work on Making Friends 4. Uh, and, and then uh, we'll be right back. Thank you so much, Kristen. We really <laughs> Thank appreciate you. it. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, so Kristen. Much. Uh, speak to you soon. Bye. Bye bye. 
Welcome back, everybody. First of all, so many thanks to Kristen Kuznick. She's wonderful. Yeah, we should have cool. her on the show all the time. She's awesome. Um, we'll obviously mention all those projects she's got coming up uh, in the show notes. And as I told her, uh, when making friends for drops, uh, we will have her on again. Um, and look, I'm serious about that talking movies. I'm in. I, 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 you know, I, I, I think we should do it. We have a quorum. 2.0. We have a quorum. We have a quorum. We have voted. Quorum. It shall be. All right. But now for what you all came here for, <laughs> we'll talk some comics here. We'll do some lightning rounds, a couple of news stories, and then we'll get out of here real quick. So uh, let's go with uh, Bob. Why don't you start okay. us off here tonight? Okay. Quick, damn. quick, Thank you. I needed that. Quick shout out to start as it really only just started Steeple Volume 3 by John Allison. And there's already been Christmas shenanigans with, with Curate Billy and Church of Satan member Maggie. We have Social Vampire slash Sesh Gremlins, Comics Within Comics, Missing Authors, The Usual Suspects, I guess, because now we have, well, crossover with other Allisonverse works, Bad Machinery and, and Scary Go Round. Oh, well, I, I, what I feel like is I have to now do a complete steeple reread before going on with what I've just started. Just a lot of fun, as always. And just thanks to whomever first recommended Giant Days to me, wherever they are. Just saying. <laughs> Defenders Beyond, number two, Al Ewing, Javier Rodriguez, was as wonderfully insane as the rest of the series has been. And when you throw in the Beyonder and his brethren, it's even another level of just absolute nuts. Get a big battle as Blue Marvel helps America Chavez level up, while Loki has their own angle. There's just very Loki, but just as effective. Things, however, do take a more sinister tone, but then there's an amazing cliffhanger that, well, changes da-da-da everything. <laughs> now, I, I know this book is a bit out there for some of you folks, but if you don't mind taking a deep dive into weird... Just go for some Defenders. Uh, another fun book was Damage Control, number one of, I think it's five, by Adam F. Goldberg, Hans Rudianoff, Will Robeson, Ruth Redmond, and Clayton Cowles. Now, there wasn't much narrative thread here, nor a gang-to-know-you kind of thing, sort of like a TV pilot, which not a surprise since Mr. Goldberg co-created the TV show bearing his name. Still, a cool reintroduction of the damage control concept that was created by Dwayne McDuffie back in the 80s. And speaking of the too soon past, Miss McDuffie, his wife Charlotte contributed a second story with the amazing, if you're a musical lover title, Zapped and the Mother of Invention. Huh. Quickly now, as I, if I get too deeply into this, I'll ramble on for like years. Olympus Rebirth by Becky Kloon, Michael W. Conrad, Caitlin Yarsky, Jordi Belair, and Pat Brousseau. Bridges the end of the trial of the Amazons and the current Wonder Woman arc by showing us Hippolyta's travails at becoming an Olympian. Wonderfully dense story. The highlight was Kate Larsky's stunning artwork, especially her depiction of the Phil Jimenez and Kelly Sue DeConnick version of Hera. You may not even have to read Wonder Woman to get a whole big charge out of Olympus Rebirth, which is a pretty thick book at the you know at the DC bargain price of only five ninety nine, where certain other books with two extra pages are ten dollars. Anyway. Dude, <laughs> which one? 
the books this week, a couple of the books this week from DC or Temple. Uh, yeah, they are. I put some of them back. Finally, Dan Slott's run on Fantastic Four came to an end, which issue 46, which featured art by Cafu, colors by Jesus Arbatov, letters by Joe Carmagna. As befitting the best aspect of this series, this has a slice of family life vibe to it, with Mr. Slot having one last go-round with the Richards' extended family. Although he does add one new element before putting all the toys back in the toy box. I thoroughly enjoyed this run, as I thought Dan Slot really delivered exactly what I want to see in this book's return. Plus this Plus a bunch of stuff I didn't see coming, like Alicia and Ben getting married, adopting Nikki and Joe, and so on. That said, I can hardly wait to see where Ryan North takes this. What what he's put out there sounds very interesting, so I'm intrigued, as I always would be with Fantastic Four, except maybe when Heroes Reborn or whatever that was. But I just don't don't get me started. See, I have a problem. I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) You're spiraling. You're spiraling. spiraling. (laughs) I'm done. Uh. I I haven't started with Defenders yet, but I was reading something about Defenders and it was like America Chavez powers up and I was like, wait a minute. Is Defenders just Ultimates continued? Like it like so much of the roster just carries over there. Blue Marvel, America mm-hmm. Chavez. I think that's what Mr. Ewing is going for. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Well now I have to read because that book ruled and that yeah. team ruled. Can I ask have, have they so we read the the mini, the mm-hmm. made in, made in the USA. Have has that carried over into this characterization of America at all? Her being it, downpowered or whatever it was that whole that's thing? Yeah. that's here. Yeah, that's here. That's it here. is. She says that is it here. In the first issue. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Her character is the America we know and love. Sure. Gabby Rivera's America is here, and I think Adam Brashear is going to help. Yeah. Hopefully it sticks and we get our America back. Yeah. But she's just like, oh, yeah, I used to be an alien from an, old, an alternate dimension, yeah. but now I'm just from this, you know, no, I'm from the vault over in the yeah. vault over in Long Island. Yes. No. <laughs> Which just don't get me. Uh, talk about don't get me spiraling. Anyway. Yeah. 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 That was rough. Um, yeah. Did you get to read this one, Aaron? I got to read Fantastic Four, number 46. Okay. Um, I didn't get to read Defenders Beyond Two yet. It's in my it's in my my iPad. It's in the pool. Pull it up. It's in the pool. Yeah. Well, I actually I purchased it, so oh. we took the kids Ooh. out of the pool. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so, but Fantastic Four number forty six. Obviously, I had to read it because it was sort of like putting a bookend on an incredibly fun era. Not to not to make any claims about what the next era is going to be, uh, you know, but you know, when you become comfortable with a book, you know, with, with the tone of a book, it becomes sort of like this expected sort of warm blanket of reading and just knowing that, okay, whatever this is, I'm going to enjoy it. Even if there's quibbles, I'm going to enjoy it overall. So I had to read it. Um, I was curious to know what the purpose, oh, I, I enjoyed that story. I enjoyed the emotional arcs of it. I enjoyed what was, added and i enjoyed the the overarching conversation about nathaniel yeah. <laughs> richards he's um, a, not a good person he's a he's a blank yes <laughs> i love all the, the the symbols and stars um you know i i it was clearly clearly written as, there, there was no one caught off guard by the ending of this chapter 
Uh, so it was clearly mm-hmm. written to be a, a wrap up issue. Um, and it was cute and it was fun. And I just, you know, I love the real Damien's. I mean, the kids um, <laughs> that were, you know, that were present, um, you know, that whole seeing that they've leaned into calling Alicia mom and Ben dad and things that were resolved finally for, for a couple of, you know, from some people who were, you know, in dire straits and, you know, some closing of loose ends from even a previous run, Mm -hmm. you know, with one character. So it was just, you know, it was, it was sad, but it was a good read and I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. So we'll see what comes next, but like I said, end of an era. Yep. Got a couple of David Pepos issues to come, I guess. And that that could be interesting too, but uh, I, I, I had missed the Fantastic Four a lot when it was was gone for was three years while Mr. Perlmutter was having a conniption fit over Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, to have it come back, initially with, with Sarah Pacelli, which was, was pretty special early mm-hmm. on, though we didn't think that was ever going to go for too long, but she did her mm-hmm. six or seven issues. And, but there was an underlying love for the book you could feel from what was happening. Mm-hmm. Along uh, all through Dan Slott's run, and that meant something to a longtime fan such as myself. I that he was not going to let anything awful happen yes. permanently. Agreed. I can't help but feel as though my experience with the Fantastic Four has been that they are diminished when they are included in the rest of the Marvel Universe. When they are aligned with the Avengers or the X-Men or whatever, they are always made to appear more robotic and less familial and more, not secret agent, but more fist-pounding hero as opposed to family of of Mm -hmm. incredibly capable individuals. When they are a family amongst their own and cared for by a writer who sees them that way, they can do all those other things without losing that emotional connection to a family. You know, their motivations are usually, I will do this for my child. I will do this for the one I love. I will do this for blah, blah, blah. And when you take that from the story, when you put them in, when you put them next to Captain America or Tony, then, you know, it just seems like, what was that, that spiral or whatever, out of control with the plants or whatever it was last year when Tony and, and Reed were like basically oh, uh, together. Oh, uh, oh goodness. Uh, Empire, Empire with yeah, a Y. Yeah. Reed just seemed like a complete douche in a room with Tony and nothing else. Because he, there was nothing to draw out those other elements, but you know, right, just, which his family brings out in him. Yes. Yeah. So when you put him in a room of other douches, he just seems like a bunch of douches. You know, I mean, some of it is know. the space you can allot to those sort of things as, as a storytelling way, but in others, it's as you say, if you have a writer who loves this property and these characters, that shows in the way they write the characters. For those people, who, oh, he's a superhero. That's what you get. And Ben is only clobbering time, right? Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. 
I think one something, of the only missed. times I don't feel like that was the case with, with um, Sue's Invisible Woman uh, mini. Oh, the Mark Wade. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was great. So, but Agreed. Anyway. And Zdarsky did a nice uh, Marvel team up with Ben and Johnny. That yeah, was fun. Yeah, yeah. I got to read the Olympus Rebirth. I have it as well. That I took that out of the pool. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> you know the, the art's stunning. Uh, Caitlin Yarsky, she's very cinematic always. On this grand epic scale of Olympus, uh, pretty amazing. When I read the solicit for it, I'm like, oh, maybe this will pull Bobby off, off the edge. Um, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a one shot that'll get me through to Historia Volume Three, which should be coming. There you have it. Soon. All right. Cool. And I'm I'm eager to read Damage Control as well. That's just a that's just a corner of the universe that I always just find entertaining. And I'm glad to hear that uh, it it lived up to some of those expectations. Yep. Um, second issue, I think, will be even more fun. Cool. You ready, Aaron? I can make it happen. I can make it happen. You sh- you gotta to make it shaza happen. Okay. <laughs> nope. Not doing it. All right. <laughs> First book. Normally, I don't do a three-peat. But, you know, when a book is just that good, it's I got to talk about it. Also, where do the wings go? You'll, if you read it, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Am I the only person who read Sins of the Black Flamingo number three this week? You are. I'm sorry. I just Ooh. couldn't handle that much V-cut. Listen... Where do the wings go? Anyway, <laughs> we have we know what happened to Sebastian at the la- at the end of the last issue, and it was not looking good. Well, obviously, since he's the star of the book, you knew some shenanigans had to happen, and we get to see another side of Ophelia that I just love. She's a badass. I want an Ophelia book. I love her. Just the scene with the hose. We get to see a little bit more of uh history if you want to call it for sebastian which kind of explained why he has such a cynical view of the world it's not just because you know he had a rough life there was actually a couple of things that happened one in particular that you know made him feel 100 percent resolute in his assessment of the world and then he meets an angel well if there's a space where an angel can exist and all the things that that should imply then his view of the world must be complete bullshit. So now he's spiraling because he's trying to reconcile all of that. Meanwhile, you're probably wondering how he came back, how he was resurrected. And I'm not going to spoil that because there was a sacrifice that was made and there was a cost that was paid. And it was very interesting to see the new dynamic that this is going to create in this book so i get on board it's it's i think it opened up many many layers of what could happen and yeah there was a lot of nipple a lot of deep v and a lot of pubic hair (laughs) Um, and again you're gonna ask yourself where do the wings go just saying anyway moving on to my (laughs) next series of books i'm gonna circle back around a different way this time yeah, moving back on to my, ne- my, ne- my next group of books here. I got all things X-Men. 
I caught up. I sat down over the weekend when I oddly had some extra time on my hands, which is unusual. And I just went through everything in my little comicsology bucket that had X-Men on it. So that means I caught up on Marauders 5, X-Men 12 and 13, X-Force 30, X, uh, AXE Death to Mutants, uh, X-Men Red number 5, uh, all by Steve Orlando, Ben Percy, Jerry Duggan, Al Ewing, some art by Russell Dowderman, Pepper Laraz, and a bunch of other people. So, you know, that's just kind of what happened. I will say I think they're all starting to take a separate path. Some of these books had um, an AXE title in the front that really didn't need to have one like marauders had nothing to do with it but whatever um marauders still loving still loving the steve orlando you know spin on things new character introduced at the end of marauders that i'm interested to see where this is going to go interestingly enough this issue although it, although it wrapped up the arc that we were in with with uh, the shiar etc um it created a couple of questions for how they are going to how this is going to to spin into what's going on in the rest of the the universe, as well as how this is going to impact whether or not this is going to connect to what's in the, happening in the rest of the universe, because there are some things that they encountered and they identified and discovered that could reshape the way we look at mutants, if I'm understanding correctly. So I'm curious to see where this is going to go. Again, especially considering you know this sort of Eternals relationship that we are seeing. So then that takes me to X Men twelve and thirteen. Still enjoying this book a lot. Still enjoying the artwork. I, I feel like I, I passed out somewhere and missed a beat because I remember there being a conversation about the the new X-Men team. I know I skipped over the whole gala stuff because I don't remember reading any of it at all, but I know they, they selected a new team and all that stuff. I was just happy to see Firestar there because I'm like, <gasps> it is amazing friends. Anyway, <laughs> so I was happy to see that. It, this was very much tied into the AXC stuff. I'm enjoying seeing this new team of uh, X-Men work, but it did leave me with a bunch of questions. Um, I'm enjoying seeing how they have continued to separate themselves from the Quiet Council and, and things that were happening on Krakoa. I do believe that what was happening on Krakoa was was limiting the setting of the of the mutants, and uh, and I think X-Men is the book that is continuing to push them into other spaces and sort of continuing to ground them in the world that we can recognize and sort of what that is bringing forth. Um, this whole idea of them being able to live forever and what that means for, for humanity, you know, again, we have this image that's being pushed by the Eternals to the humanity that's making them hate the, the mutants. And we have the X-Men not really fighting back. And then we have the Eternals basically trying to kill them. They're getting it from all sides. Which kind of leads us into X-Force number 30, Quentin Quire's gone, Wolverine's spiraling. We have this bubbling up of this negative sentiment towards the, towards the mutants because of the secret of their immortality being revealed and people wanting to have it happen for them, people that supported them, you know, not being able to, to take part in this whole resurrection thing. Um, and it's interesting because it there's a line that was said in there that they will love us if we do what they want until we don't, and then they will hate us. And it just gave you this, it reset this sort of sentiment that no matter what the, the mutants do, 
no matter what you other community do, you are not going to be loved by everyone. Mm-hmm. And you have to just accept that. I should also go back. There was a scene in, in um, I think it was in X-Men 13, where Captain America said to Scott, after everything we've been through, you're still keeping secrets. Uh, I really wish you have told us. And Scott said to Steve, after everything we've been through, how could we? I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> he just shut you down. And they actually drew Steve with this sort of like ashamed look on his face, and he like with his head sunk. I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. I'm here for yeah. that. Yeah. Point so, taken, says. I was, I was just like, hmm, I might frame that page. But um, it was it was good. It, it made a point and it hit home. Anyway, um, all of these now, all the other books except for Marauders are all tied into the AXH storyline. So I'll just skip right into that, where essentially we have them being seen, as we said before, as deviants, the ultimate deviants, and we have the Eternals trying to basically kill them, and the X-Men from different fronts in all these books trying to defend themselves you know, against the Eternals with some levels of success. Um, so switching over to AXE Judgment Day 2 and 3, sort of combining them all, Kieran Gillen, Valerio Shidi, Mark Rossi, and, and VCs Clayton Kyle. The ultimate objective here, the plan that the Avengers help come up with and working with Circe and some of the Eternals, because there's this sort of multi-phased approach to telling this singular story through like all of, the, through what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven books now, is, all right, we can't fight the leader of the Eternals because it's baked in our programming that we have to follow him. So we're, they're going to try to make us destroy all you mutants. But we can employ some, some ways of helping you from the inside that don't quite contradict our programming. So take advantage of these things and you may be able to help yourself. Well, that leads to this idea that some of the Eternals have of creating a God that will help rewrite the rules that govern them. And they asked Tony and Mr. Sinister and all those folks to help. And, well, things don't go as planned because now this god didn't quite do what they thought he was going to do. This god has basically told them, you are now being judged. You all are a shit stain on the universe. (laughs) (laughs) And if you can't prove to me in the next 24 hours why I shouldn't wipe you all off, you're done. You got 24 hours. Click. And he's like... And he ju- he starts judging people. The first person he judges is Captain America. He was like, "You are unworthy. Get out!" Wow. <laughs> it's like, it's basically, basically, Tony's like, "If Steve doesn't cut the, we're done. Cut the yeah. mustard, we're all done." <laughs> so, you know, it, it's so now they're all on this. Everyone's sort of not combined. There's multiple stories, multiple efforts coming from different angles. It's not a team up where everyone's working together, but everyone has their individual motivations to all try to figure out how to fix this, how to work this. And there are some very clever turns of events that happen, some very, I don't know, some very stressful turns of events that happen. I can't lie. I hate to say it. I, I wanted to push against it, but I'm actually enjoying this, <laughs> this event. Wow. I'm, I'm actually enjoying this event. Um, mostly because the only two, the only books that I'm buying that I wouldn't have already bought were, are the AXE Judgment Day books. Every other book that I've read associated with it are already books that I'm, I'm reading. So, um, now yeah, for our I'll, listeners, I don't mean I, I hate to jump in, but I think it's important. Can you read just the event and not the ancillary books and get what you need out of it? You can read the books and not the ancillary events and get a good story out of it. Right. But you will, you will 
miss a little bit of context. Not a lot, though, because basically there's a re- repetition of some of the storylines just from different angles in the other okay. book. So it's like you're probably getting the same version, the same story from different angles in X Men, X no X Men, yeah X Men Red and X Force. Um, so you, you're not missing everything; you're just missing some things. Oh, and I also read Immortal X Men, which is another angle uh, from it that you come from more so from um, what's the religious guy. Exodus. Yes, Exodus. Uh, It's it's told from the perspective of Exodus. So it's all. I will say this is the this is a classic Marvel event where everything sucked up into this one story, Um, and I hate to say it, but I'm enjoying it. I hate to say it because I know as soon as I say that they're going to shit the bed on something, and I'm going (laughs) to hate it. So you know, I'm riding it out for what it is. I enjoyed sitting down and reading it all in one sort of sitting. Uh, on Saturday, so let's see. And I think it, I literally did read like ten books or something just to catch up on all this on Saturday. Um, and it was interesting. It was it was entertaining. So that's my lightning round. Great, so damn. I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm glad you're doing the the Judgment Day. I'm gonna. I'm. I. I. I you know, it's hard because it's a lot. So far, so it's a lot. And so far, you and John have only said good things about it. I hate that I'm saying <laughs> so, it too. I hate it. That so. So I, I and I was like I'm all in on Dark Crisis, y'all, and I think I, I think I might have backed the wrong horse on this Ooh. one. <laughs> to be clear, I'm also having a ton of fun yeah, with Dark Crisis, Dark Crisis but I also great. have I also have no stakes in Dark Crisis. So every week, also y'all, you and John and everyone around the show being like. What the hell is Dark Crisis? And I'm like over here. I'm like I'm okay, I'm having a good time. Yeah, but it sounds like AXE is actually a story that I would enjoy about characters that I do have some investment in. So so I might have to kind of backtrack a little bit and check out some of that stuff. It was it was I like I said I I did not I was going to read it because I wanted to confirm that I was going to hate it. <laughs> because you know i'm I'm always opposed to like too many events that just suck you into everything but i read the first one and i remember i was just like god damn it i actually enjoyed that um so then i read the second one i'm like sons of bitches (laughs) i'm like this art this art this everything is just sort of clicking with me this story is clicking and so yeah so now here i am on issue three, and uh, uh, yeah. Now this is sort of like one of those, they used to call them in comics, the infinity covers, things yeah. within a thing within a thing. So this is like, for you, hate, hate reading? <laughs> I, I yeah. mean, you, you took it to hate read, and now you're hating that you hate, didn't hate it. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm loving that you're loving it, though. Hate it. Yeah, exactly. It's a double yeah. negative. So essentially, I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess also because I mean, if you think about it, you're 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 digging the X Men, and you're over the Eternals, and you've always hated the Avengers. So it really works out. <laughs> I never thought of it. That's brilliant. It's really it's you know, sort of like my sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. Like you thought it was going to be an event that you were like, oh, an event, but actually, what it is is the X Men who you're become a fan of basically telling everyone like f you <laughs> and it, it kind of works out in that regard so yeah i guess so yeah i like so it I, I i listen i i the art is just i think joey you'll love the art the art is phenomenal oh, no. it's um who's it it's uh 
Who's doing the art for the main series? Who's, hold on, let me pull it up real quick. I think it is. Is it Popular Eyes? It, it might be Popular Eyes. That sounds right. Hold on, I think it is. I know Penny is doing uh, Eternals. So we got Kieran Gillen's Mark Brooks. Ooh. Oh, Valerio Shidi. Valerio Shidi. Oh. oh, right, right, right. Valerio Shidi. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's the one. So, yeah, I don't know, Joey. I feel like I'm... Uh, uh, all right, 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 all right. <laughs> Just saying. Well, actually, so they're up to issue three? They're up to issue three, yeah. So that means that issue one will be on Marvel Unlimited next in a couple of weeks. I'll read it. I'll see how I feel. So there you go. Which means that I'll read it and then want to buy the rest is what yeah. basically what that's going And that you'll, you'll force me to buy the trade paperback or the epic collection, <laughs> which is like $40 uh, look, to have all the other I'm always... I, I'm gonna be real with you. Any time, any of these big events, I, I've only ever done the the month to month reading a handful of times. But I've always gone back and read it collected, and I've all, I always love the Marvel yeah. events. I think that they are big, boisterous, ridiculous. Uh, as long as you're not like you know, change the Marvel universe forever. You know, if you don't keep that whatever. Out of your head, right. Yeah, you're you're gonna like even Secret Empire, which f- is founded on a garbage storyline <laughs> oh. of of you know cap Nazi cap, yeah. right? Even Secret Empire, if you read those ten issues or eleven issues, whatever it was, like as a as a collection, it's a really good story. And you get to and those moments in is, Washington, the last battle, and whatever. Yeah, there's some yes. good stuff going on. Yes. It, yeah. and, and even Civil War, which is devi- as divisive as the title, both Civil Wars. Um, you know, Civil War Two, I read month to month and hated it, hated it because of what it did to our 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 Carol yeah. on that on that in that damn book. But it was pretty to look at, and it was, and you go back and you read it, collect it, and you're like, okay, this is a, this is an okay story, you know, uh, say, Secret Empire, that one, Secret, Secret. Uh, the Civil War Two, the books that followed which tried to deal with the aftermath, which is lots of great Kamala stuff and Kamala and Carol oh, yeah. together. There was, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, sure. don't do this to me, Joe. You're roping me in. All right. All right. All right. And dark crisis, everybody. All right. Okay. Is it my turn. All right. Let's do this. Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes. Number five, gold lantern saga, part five, this book. All right. Let me tell you something about this book. <laughs> This book is basically, I'm pretty sure, I'm like, I'm like 89% sure it's what Bendis would have done if he was still on these books. Uh, if he was still mm-hmm. on Justice League, if Legion of Superheroes was still a thing, you know, it, like it's got, it's got, there's, it's, he's, he's jamming so much story into these six issues. Uh, the art's wonderful. I love it. You know, it's like great darkness, time travel. Batman shows up and he's like, hey, Gold Lantern, give me your ring. Swamp Thing said something about a gold ring one time. And everyone's like, yeah, Batman, whatever you want, sir. But then the Gold Lantern's like, no, it's my ring. Um, that's pretty much the conflict of this issue for like the whole time. There's a, there's a cool spread where like the Legion and the League try to like – they talk about their time travel from a couple of issues ago mm-hmm. and they're like looking for clues. But then ultimately like none of those clues matter because the final like twist cliffhanger going into the last issue. I mean, I guess if you've read a DC comic about time travel, the big villain reveal, you probably could have guessed yeah. a billion miles away. Um, and I'm going to be honest though, when it happened, I still, I still popped. I was like, Oh gosh, I should have known. Exactly. Um, 
I ha- I'm having a great time with this. I go back to the idea that I started with, which is like, we had to get to Dark Crisis. We had to get to whatever 5G was going to be. And they got pieces that they're running with. And this feels like Bendis getting one last hurrah with these characters that he, I really cared about for a little while there. And he's getting to tell whatever this gold lantern saga is, you know, um, art's great. Characters are fun. Uh, I always love seeing people like, like ingratiating themselves to Batman and Batman just being like, just give me the ring, you know, just like totally not playing along with whatever it is. Maximum douche this issue. Yeah. Maximum douche. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think it's ridiculous. I love that. There's uh, like Aquaman's in this for like no reason. I love it. And, and and also like this book makes black Adam look ridiculous. And I also like that because I don't (laughs) like Adam. I don't, don't like that character. That. Like Aaron's disdain for Damien is what I feel for Black Adam. Um, I share a little of that for Adam as well. Yeah. He's just like, you already have Batman. Like you don't need that kind of like negative, negative, negative energy. But anyway, um, uh, two quick hits before I get to, to, to uh, a main event here. I read the third issue of Public Domain, Chip Zdarsky. If you're not reading this, read it. It's a ton of fun. It's a great kind of like riff on licensing and comics rights and who the owners of these characters that we love, you know, really are. And if you don't think that could make for a really dramatic, meaningful kind of family drama comic, you're wrong. And also it's great seeing Chip Zdarsky's yeah. artwork. It's, it's really cool. Um, the ending of this issue is hilarious in like the saddest way. Um, I'm not going to spoil it because you got to read it and it's a ton of fun. Um, I Hate This Place is up to issue four. Steve and I have talked a lot about this book. Um, this is Kyle Starks, RTM Poplin with Lee Lovefridge. Uh, this book is wonderful. It's survivalist, horror, zombies, ghosts, UFOs. At the a- issue three, if you'll recall, this like supernatural hunter from the TV shows up and they're like, Let's go out in the woods and see what we got. And things get graphic. This issue dude gets bit on the neck and it just keeps growing. It is, it is disgusting. Um, but it is a fun issue, fun series. I laugh and have a great time watching it. And actually Poplin and Lawfridge are killing it. The artwork on this is so fun. Um, uh, Last quick hit before I talk about the main book. Sorry. Lost Falls, Volume 1. We, we talked with Kurt Pierce a little bit earlier in the year about this book. Um, I read the first two, two issues for that interview, um, and I went back and I, I read the last two. Uh, the artwork here was by Antonio Fuso. Um, if you all recall, I talked about Lost Falls. It's basically Twin Peaks. Um, this detective kind of wakes up. He doesn't know where he is. He's in this kind of weird town. Um, he wakes up, and he's like, he, not only is he an FBI agent who doesn't know where he is, but he's also like the only or like one of the few black guys in this whole town. And uh, he's like, this is there's a lot of red flags going off for me right now. Uh, and he's set up there um, and he's like talking to ghosts. And then there's like this like weird body, like possessing entity going around and Daniel Pynchon, the character, gets caught up in the middle of it. It's so much Twin Peaks that the first four issues end and you're like, what? 
what? I need a second season. Mm-hmm. And, and it ends and you're like, I, I, it says more coming soon to be continued. Um, but there's nothing really solicited right now. So I'm hoping that Kurt and Antonio, um, put together something soon because I would really like to see more of detective Daniel Pynchon and, uh, lost falls. Um, not like nothing is answered <laughs> in, in these four issues. It's, it's all vibes, all vibes in lost falls. Um, Last, last thing I want to talk about, and I'll talk a little bit longer about this, is uh, I read Minor Threats, number one, from Dark Horse. This is by Patton Oswalt and Jordan Bloom. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, they had a previously collaborated on the MODOK TV show. Uh, Jordan oh, Bloom was right. the yeah. showrunner for it, and Patton Oswalt was the voice. Artwork here by Scott Hepburn and Ian Herring. Minor Threats is about minor bad guys uh in this city where there's superheroes and supervillains and it's about like all those weird little kind of like nobody gimmicky villains um actually it's funny we talked to Kristen before because it's it's like hench girl but a little bit grittier you know and that's not to say hench girl wasn't gritty because there was some heavy stuff in hench girl um but minor threats is about um this super former supervillain villain really named playtime and she's a she owns a bar now where a bunch of old supervillains hang out what and a setup. That's uh a great setup. it's yeah. a great setup and they're watching the tv and all of a sudden on the tv it's revealed that like the ne- nefarious stick man uh has actually killed the a-list uh, a-list superhero Ooh. the insomniacs you know kid sidekick you know, pulled a pulled a pulled a Joker J- Jason Todd situation. You know, John Burkle called the number and was like, "Kill Jason Todd." <laughs> the guy? And uh, and you know that's what happened. So here we are, and uh, Insomniacs like going wild in the city, like like taking out supervillains all over, and the other superheroes are like, "We need to." We need to find who killed. Uh, we need to find Stickman. So they're roughing up supervillains too. So playtime, she's in her bar and she's like, "If we're gonna survive the night, we got to get the gang back together and stand up for ourselves." That's the first issue. The setup is phenomenal. Yeah. It's funny. It's it's also kind of sad because like like Hench Girl, you just kind of have these like nobody villains who like had like stupid names like playtime and like brain fart or whatever <laughs> you know like like and, and it definitely has like that Pat oswald you know modok if you watch the show kind of that sense of humor that Pat oswald sense of humor of course the artwork is stupendous it is it is it's like it's got like some mitch gerard's vibes it's got some um who's the the artist that we really liked valentine delandro oh from did from valentine planet from Bitch Planet, and he also did the 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 Hawkeye, right? I know that's Leonardo Romero. Yeah. It's got that Valentin Delandro, Leonardo Romero, Mitch Gerard's kind of like scratchiness to it. It, it and the and the the colors from Ian Herring, Ian Herring, who we know from his Marvel, absolutely. You know, like and Scott that, Hepburn like, did the, a great little couple of issues on Captain Marvel back in the day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It it is it is a beautiful book, energetic, dynamic, and the setup is phenomenal. And I am 100% reading the next issue. It is, it is so good. 
Um, and it actually got me going back and reading. I, I picked up, I picked out from the bookshelf here, my hench girl expanded edition. Oh, the extra I've been, story is I've been, important. Yeah. Yes. And I've been reading back through it just cause I was like, Oh, let me read about, you know, some no, nobody super villains. I might go read a uh, uh, Bob agent. Well, Hydra, I, well, that's you know, another next. great one, right? Yeah. Or no su- superior foes or yeah. whatever, you know? So yeah. So that's what I've been up to. Um, yeah. There's my lightning wrap. <laughs> I you sold me up. on minor threats. That is right up my alley. I was just going to say, I almost picked it up, but I was like, you got a shit ton of X-Men crap to get through. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, maybe we'll yeah. put that in the back for now. But I may have to pick that up now. You, you, I, think you, I think you guys would enjoy it. it. It took me a little bit to get used to the style because it, it does have this kind of like – gritty like oh man we're just like sad villains in a bar kind of thing but it also has a very specific sense of humor um and once you kind of get into the the tone of it i think it's a really cool cool setup cool book well Patton oswalt in the bar you've seen young adult the book the, the in the bar one of the opening scenes the guy brain fart his name's not really brain fart but everyone calls him brain fart it's something <laughs> else but he's like up on a table trying to like pull down like pictures of other villains to put his own up on the wall <laughs> And I'm like, this is this is fun. Like, this is yeah. fun. This is funny. And then, of course, like the next panel, it's like Kid Dusk murdered by Stickman, <laughs> and it's like, oh shit, like we're going down. So it's 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 like it's like Superior Foes meets you know that that Mark Russell sensibility. It's it's got a lot going for it that I think will vibe with with some of the folks here on the podcast. Yeah, and Dark Horse, sure. you were saying Dark Horse, okay. yeah, awesome. Every once in a while, Dark Horse has a you know, a Dark Horse that okay. you got to pay attention to. Ooh, nicely right. done. <laughs> nicely done. All right. Uh, how about Justice League versus Legion of Dune, or did you just read X Men all uh, all week? No, I read Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes. I had to. I don't know. That's one of the books that I will break. You know, there's certain books that I will break away from anything else I'm doing just to make sure that I can get them in. That's one. Kal El's another one. Uh, first of all, the art is just phenomenal. It's in a space it's all its own in the DC, you know, world right now of, of art. It's just it's it has a different flow to it. It's just my question is, how many times can you get disintegrated before it sticks? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm, well, that's but that's what I'm saying. Like that disintegration scene at the end of this issue, I'm like they not stole this obviously, but they just did this in Dark Crisis, which just like asserted for me that this is like the alternate timeline yeah. that Bendis would have written if he was still spearheading yeah. not only Justice League, but that whole imprint of books that he was helped kind of cultivate, right? But that's all gone. All yeah. those books are gone. Done. Young Justice, Legion of Superheroes, all that's gone. And it's cleared for me this book that like in an alternate universe, this was the dark crisis. Yeah. Like this was going to be the crisis crossover event. And you and and let's be very clear. Based on what we see in the rest of the DC universe, we know that once this story is done, it's done. We're not. It's done. We're not. We're not getting anything that references it again. We're not getting no. as beautiful as it is to look at. This is one of the few DC books I actually I I, I would actually probably buy a because it's just beautiful. Every yeah. every page is just beautiful. Just the the limited colors mm-hmm. that it's using 
but telling a vast story is yeah. is really really it's almost like the whole book is like in a filter like an instagram yeah. filter of some sort i will also say there's definitely that tone and i think this should in my opinion i think this should carry through there's definitely this tone of never meet your heroes oh yeah because I will say there was that one scene where I was just like, I don't know if that's Diana, Diana, because that seems very, you better do what I say or else-ish. Oh, yeah. The, the Diana stuff in here, I was like, okay. And same thing with Batman, like you said. Oh, he's he's, he's a total douche. jerk in this, <laughs> in this book. You're just going to um, walk up to someone and say, hey, give me the but, thing that allows you to exist in the world yeah, and, yeah. and have this power that you have – ultimately used to do good because they say so. But honestly, like this is the thing that I like about it. And this is the thing that I liked about all, it was the wonder comics, right? That's mm-hmm. what that whole, that yeah. whole initiative was. Mm-hmm. The thing about it was that was a through line the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, let's focus on these younger heroes and put them in the room at times with their heroes, right? Like the league and all of that. And have them kind of learn that they need to stand on their own, you yep. know? And that's why Naomi has been so good and I'm going to miss it. And I sincerely hope that we don't, that it's not, we're not done with Naomi. Um, but I, I th- that's another reason why I'm reading this book. And I'm like, that's what we were doing. We were this justice league and the, and the legion of superheroes was going to be a legion of superheroes book. Yep. And it was gonna be a legion of superheroes crossover event. And the justice league was going to show up, you know, and you get that here and you get that crammed into six issues and you can, you, you can tell every page that like, this could have been a whole issue, yep. you know, uh, those time travel, like that time travel I- issue that they had, that could have been five issue, a storyline, yeah. you know, like we spent barely any time in any of those locations. And it's, you could tell Ben, is just like, I need to get this out before I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, and it's a bummer because I think it is, I think it would be a really great, I think it would be a really cool story to tell. And, and I felt the same way about all those wonder comics and the wonder twins and young justice and, and all of them. And I miss them. I miss them because they were really fun. They were really beautiful. It had a very clear, consistent aesthetic across all of oh, those absolutely. books. Absolutely, yes. And uh, this is kind of that last, last hurrah of that. It's sad, yeah. It's, it's uh, Bob. I can't tell you uh, enough. If I, if you're going to pick up anything that is superhero-y like that in the DC universe, you probably would enjoy this story. Okay. A good amount. Just yeah. Just, it's. It's just beautiful. Just the art. It's pulpy. It's like sci-fi universe hopping. You know, so more classic silver bronze DC than yes, yeah. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, for sure. So it does sound like Batman needs his head stepped on a little bit. Just he just was getting on my. He was really (laughs) just giving you full on. He was bullying a fifteen-year-old yes. kid. <laughs> exactly. He's like, "Give me that incredibly powerful thing now!" I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Like, do and you realize I can smite you right now? Do it, you it doesn't. It doesn't even matter in the end. Like his whole thing doesn't because it's one of those moments too where he's like. I know what this means. Boom. Disintegrated. Yep. Like, it's yeah. like, it, it doesn't even matter. And the whole thing where it's like, he's like, maybe we should like put our heads together and figure out what our time travel clues are. It's a beautiful two page spread 
And at the end, there's no, there's no, <laughs> the clues lead to nothing. nothing. <laughs> like, All of that. And, World's greatest detective, yeah. huh? Yeah. But, but that's part of it. It's like, that's, I think that's part of the, not joke, that's not what it is, but like, the Legion is there and they're like, we are from 3000. Like, yeah. like we, we have technology and ideas and we can contribute. So I don't know. I really enjoyed it. And it makes me want to go back and read more of Legion and, and things like that. So, yeah. So, yeah. All right. That's our lightning rounds. Let's do some quick news hits before we get out of here. Um, Bob, this one's for you, um, obviously. Uh, Here, I'll read the solicit just like I did last week. Since the very dawn of the Marvel superhero age, Janet Van Dyne has enchanted comic book fans as the founding Avenger known as the Wasp. Now, after 60 years of being a superhero and fashion icon, the character will headline a new four-issue limited series. Arriving in January, Wasp will be written by superstar Marvel mastermind Al yes. Ewing and drawn by Cassia Nye, known for her acclaimed work on titles like Mockingbird and Age of Conan. Like Ewing's hit Ant-Man series currently on stands, Wasp will pay tribute to Janet's incredible legacy by shedding new light on her wild Silver Age origin, spotlighting her relationship with protege Nadia Van Dyne, Aww. and paving the way for a bright future. The saga will also directly lead into another Ewing pen series launching in the new year. Da, da, da. What is that? I don't know. It doesn't say. So, Bob... Any thoughts? Sold completely. W- would I kill for a Jeremy Whitley Nadia series? Yes, absolutely. But Al Ewing melding these two characters together, their interactions in, in Jeremy's Unstoppable Wasp were some of my favorite moments in our 10 years doing this. So to get someone of Al Ewing's sensibilities, both cosmic and smaller at the same time, love Love this one. I saw it. I am so in. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Awesome. Aaron, any thoughts? So it's interesting because when I was reading and I was doing the catch up on She-Hulk, I kept asking, wow, wouldn't it be great to do a Wasp story? Because she's staying in her place. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, wouldn't it be great to do a wasp story? And so here we are. So I'm 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 all in because you know, yeah. I really liked the way you know Janet has become this boss. Like you're inclined to always think, okay, all she does is get small and you know stupid. <laughs> so you're inclined to think, okay, she's not exactly a, a heavy hitter in the Avengers, or at least when she was an Avenger. Um, but I think she has been written in ways in in recent years to show how incredibly capable and talented she is. And, you know, I think I'm curious to see that extended, you know, I hope she's not, I hope she continues to be this sort of non victim, you know, type person who sort of, who they, they reference that past, but they don't revel in it. They don't, yeah. They don't Mm. wallow in it. Um, So I am curious to see how many, where they take her, how many layers they give her. Cool. That's awesome. Oh, by the way, Bob, I'm now out of Dance Lot She-Hulk and I'm into the Peter David oh. part of it now. Hard left turn when Peter David takes yes. over. Hard left turn. Um, but I love it. It's still great. You've done the burns? No, no, no. no. I didn't go that far back. Go, I started at Slot. Do yourself a favor. It's the first eight, then burn leaves for years and comes back years later. Okay. Just the first All Just right. the first eight. Cool. I'll, I'll make sure to read that. Awesome. 
Uh, and last news a little bit here. Also kind for of me. Rumor, kind of not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll, but also for me, because I'm a, yeah. Uh, filmmaker Matt Shackman is no longer boldly going into the Star Trek galaxy. Shackman, who was set to helm a Trek movie for Paramount. This is from the Hollywood Reporter, by the way. Uh, movie for Paramount has dropped out due to scheduling issues as he is jumping to Fantastic yeah. Four for Marvel Studios. That is still not confirmed. Confirmed. Uh, the last news stories I saw was that he was in talks to do it, but I the fact that his name is attached and a Hollywood reporter is kind of actively saying he's leaving projects for it leads me to believe that it's probably going to be Shackman. Um, Shackman was on Wandavision, yeah, right. That's his kind of big claim to fame here. Um, I'm bummed. I I I do like the the Chris Pine uh, Star Trek movies. I think they're fun. Um, I, and this, the Star Trek four that Shackman was going to helm was going to re- re- return that cast to the movies. Um, I, 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 this story also kind of allows us to kind of talk about the fact that the rumor mill is grinding away, oh uh, on fantastic four leading into D 23, uh, which is supposed to be next, not this upcoming weekend, but next weekend. And I think, I think, I think we can all, confidently say that there's got to be announcements there about this, especially if Shackman's name is kind of like really in the mix now. And there's some casting stuff bouncing around too. So yeah, bit of a bummer to lose him for star Trek, but a fantastic four great place to land. I, as not a fan of those star Trek movies, I'm really happy to extract the director of WandaVision, which has so (laughs) many lovely layers of family and loss and love and the rest of it in a fantastic four story. Great pick. Great pick way out, cool. out of left field for me. I never expected this. Awesome. Really? Yeah. I have a feeling that with the TV shows happening now for Marvel, I think that they're going to start looking in house more often. They did with um, the writers for black widow, obviously yeah. uh, carried over um and i think i just feel like there's going to be more and Mal- and malcolm spellman going over to captain america for new world order right like i just feel like there's just going to be more in-house transference now that there's just so much mm-hmm. content that marvel is producing with some really talented people you know um i just think you're going to be seeing more recurring names always a good yeah. thing and now the Batgirl's um, not coming out we can get those directors back too well, uh, well, they they are definitely sticking around. Yeah. The the two of them are are part of why I think Ms. Marvel was as successful as it was. In addition to the showrunner, who was fantastic, um, and I think that they're going to be. First of all, Ms. Marvel is one hundred percent getting a season two. Oh yeah, you know, uh, unless she gets lost in space and never seen again in Captain Mar- no, in the Marvels. Never. <laughs> I we're, that that is that is one of their highest like critically acclaimed shows that they've had out in in recent She's times. She's gonna get so, gutted by Kang. Could you imagine? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So, all right, cool. Um, let's do books that we're excited for this week, and then we will got some parting words and we'll head out. So I'll start because I got to say it, Aaron. Breakout number three. Yep. It's back. Let's do it. Um, it's in the pool. Iron Fist number five of five. This was kind of the, the revamp of the Iron Fist character. Been following along. It's pretty rad. 
uh, Vampire Slayer number five, Star Trek Picard, Stargazer number one from Dark Horse. This is set between season two and three. Not Dark Horse, IDW, sorry. Uh, this is set between season two and three. So because I'm such a Star Trek Picard fan, I might have to pick this one up. Um, to be honest with you, I was not even Thunderbolts number one wasn't even remotely on my radar, but then I saw the cast and I was like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, Spectrum, Hawkeye. I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm in. Um, here was the problem. I was looking at DC and I was like, oh, Harley Quinn special from T Franklin and the gang. $10. Yes. And then. DC's Saved by the Bell Reeve, number one. I was like, that's such a clever title. I want to check it. $10. And I was like, get out of here. Um, So so that's that. Also, Firefly 20th anniversary special, number one, coming out from Boom. I'll probably check that one out, too. Um, Oh, and of course, I'm going to read Amazing Fantasy number 1000. I couldn't pass it up. Sorry. I I don't even read Spider-Man regularly, but I just – you can't pass it up. Um. But, uh, Bob, what are you picking up? Well, I had to make that choice between the Belle Reeve and the Harley Quinn, so I'm I'm going to go Harley Quinn. You get T. Franklin, Max Saren, even Erica Henderson on a Batgirl story. I love Gotham Academy, and they're in that Belle Reeve story, but four pages of Gotham Academy ain't worth 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. I will wait, and it'll turn up somewhere down the road, or maybe near Comic-Con, I'll find a copy cheaper, or I'll get my... I'll beg my local store owner to give me a really good discount if he has any left over. Because it, 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 the solicits look like a lot of fun. But $10? I'm sorry. If, if, no, they, if, if they can sell the Olympus special, which is maybe it's four pages less, for $6, because this has a square side binding, square bound? Um, no. DC, you gotta you got to come up with that. I'm in for Thunderbolts as well. Variance number three by Gail Simone this week as well. Mm-hmm. That's, That's it? That's it. Okay. Aaron, what's in the pile? So the pool consists of all those X-Men books I just got <laughs> finally caught up on. X-Men 14, X-Force 31, Knights of X, blah, blah, blah. Then, as Joey said, Breakouts 3, because why the hell not? Uh, <laughs> Magic Order 3, number 2. The Variants, number 3. And then uh, I got a Wonder Girls annual here. Oh, I forgot that. Yes, that is this week. How much is that one? Is that like $8? $5. $5. Oh, five oh, okay. Got some Joel Jones in that too, so that's good. So, yeah, so there's that. That's about it. Cool. All right. Oh, and uh, this is one for um, Stephen Bronwyn. Rassel Castle Book 3 is coming out this Whoa. week, so watch out. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, all right. Before we head out, any last words from the game? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of do. It's sad, but uplifting at the same time. Uh, this past week, golden age artist and Eisner hall of famer, Lily Renee passed away at 101 years of age. Ms. Renee has had quite a few mentions on our podcast, particularly during our chats with comic book historian, Trina Robbins. Ms. Renee's comic book work uh, through various fiction house books through the 40s, certainly one of the highlights of that company's output, which back then was created by a mostly female staff. She continued working in comics through the 50s on romance and comedy titles before moving on to children's books and even playwriting. Think of it as Ms. Renee's real life is as thrilling as any comic book adventure she ever drew. She was born in Austria to well-to-do Jewish parents. 
And when the Nazis annexed Austria, well, her, her parents, to save her life, had to put her into what, what they called the kinder transit, which was a way that England would allow children from the occupied countries to escape. And there were more than 10,000 children saved within about 15 months or so. Uh, that, though, she's in England for some years, but she didn't even know whether her parents had survived until getting noticed that they could reunite in the United States in 1940, nearly two years later. Now, for more than her amazing life, you can read all about it. There are too many things for me to go through here. In a book called Lily Renee, Escape Artist, which was by Trina Robbins, art by Ann Timmons and Mo Ho, and as well as in Trina's other books, such as Pretty in Ink, which celebrated female cartoonists and Babes in Arms, same idea. And just a quick aside, back in 2006, Ms. Renee's granddaughter contacted Trina Robbins to let her know that, well, her grandmother was actually Lily Renee and still lived, led to the discovery, rediscovery of her trailblazing work. Uh, Lily Renee then visited the San Diego Comic-Con and inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame in 2021. Wow. It's one of these things, you, you uh, without that little moment there that Trina through Lily's granddaughter, found her, that we could rediscover these books that were unsigned or signed under male pseudonyms back in the day. Fiction House employed a lot of ladies while the guys were overseas. And those books are incredible. They're, they're entire collections of just the Fiction House work of, of these people. And I look, it's a rabbit hole I'm more than happy to have gone down years and years ago. And it's a forgotten period in comics history. But Lily Renee, at 101 years of age, lived an incredible life, gave us all a lot of great work, and we celebrate her today. Amazing. Oh, that's great. Thanks for that. That's great. All right. That'll do it. That'll do it. That'll do it. We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Talking Comics. Let us know how you did on trivia. Yes. Uh, if you beat Kristen's 13 and a quarter, let us know. It was rigged. <laughs> um, lightning. <laughs> Reese lightning. Here we go. Um, Bob, where can our listeners find Old you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Aaron. At Aaron J. Amos. Steve is at dead underscore anchorous. John is at John P. Burkle. They should be back in the next couple, couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, Chris is, is rolling around. Uh, they'll be back too. Brahman will be on soon too. They want to do a big crossover episode. It'll be tons of fun in the next few weeks here on Talking Comics. Uh, you can find me at Joey Ruccino as well. So uh, for Bob. See you soon. Aaron. I don't do events. thank you all so much for listening be sure to tune in next week and until next time on the talking comics podcast to be continued all right so nailed it uh,